Welcome to the Big Sky Breakdown. I'm Coulter Nuanas. As always, you can find this podcast, SkylineSportsMT.com. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications of Montana, as well as SportsBet Montana. Happy to have SportsBet Montana on board for all things podcast, both here at Skyline Sports and ESPN Missoula as well. In this Big Sky Breakdown, Brooks Nuanas from Skyline Sports will join us. We'll break down the Bobcats and the Grizzlies. The Bobcats trudging through spring football about midway through spring football, whereas the Grizzlies, they have a game. Washington Grizzlies Stadium against Central Washington, 11 a.m. on Saturday morning. Pulse here from Bobby Houck, University of Montana head football coach. Here from Jace Lewis, Grizz linebacker. We'll also circle back around with Chris Fisk. He is the head coach for Central Washington. Get a preview of the game, learn a bit a little bit more about his team. Then we'll hear from Ty Gregorak. Ty Gregorak was a longtime Montana assistant, uh, defensive coordinator at Montana State for three years, but in between 2010, he spent the season at Central Washington. So he has some insight into both Montana and Central Washington and some analysis on Grizz football, Bobcat football, and everything in between. And then a special one for you, a fun one, Blaine Bennett, former Central Washington head coach, Covered Blaine when he was there from 2008 until 2012. I was there 2009-2010, but Blaine's team came to Missoula, Montana, almost knocked off Montana in the, uh, I guess it was the non-conference, third or fourth game of the season that year back in 2008, but they lost 38-35, but that was a great Central Washington team, and Central's always given Big Sky teams a run for their money. 2010, they almost knocked off Eastern Washington in the battle for Seattle, uh, which was a a non-conference game, and Eastern, of course, went on to win the national title in 2010. They also knocked off Idaho State under Coach Bennett. Central Washington played Idaho a couple years ago, 2019, during the last played uh, full Big Sky Conference football season, and they lost 41 31. So this should be a competitive game Saturday against the Grizzlies. And then finally we'll hear from Montana State head coach Brent Vegan caught up with him last Saturday to recap some of the stuff that's going on in Montana State's world as they trudge through spring football as well. The Big Sky Breakdown presented by Blackfoot Communications and Sportsbet Montana. Brooks Nuana, SkylineSportsMT.com. College athletics is a fundamental part of the fabric of our communities in Montana, and it's the stories of these young men and women that drive our passion at Skyline Sports. Coulter Nuwana is here. In 2015, my brother Brooks and I founded SkylineSportsMT.com. As a lifelong athlete, Brooks has an elite knowledge of football with a deep perspective with his time spent playing safety for the Montana Grizz football team, while I won a collection of sports writing awards, including 2010 Washington Sports Writer of the Year during my time in newspapers. Together, we can offer you the best sports journalism in the state with crisp writing, unbiased reporting, cutting-edge photography, and a grassroots feel that belies the corporate takeover of modern media this day and age. As Montana natives, we have a deep historical knowledge of the fiercest rivalry in the West. We share a combined 22 years experience involved in the Big Sky Conference. That experience gives us unparalleled knowledge of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics. If you'd like to experience this with us, visit SkylineSportsMT.com and subscribe for only $8 a month or $90 a year. SkylineSportsMT.com. Every day, every season. Hey, welcome to the Big Sky Breakdown. Coulter Nuanas. As always, you can find this podcast, SkylineSportsMT.com. Thanks so much to Blackfoot Communications for being the proud sponsor of the Big Sky Breakdown, as well as all Montana, Montana State coverage on SkylineSportsMT.com. It's spring, but it's also football season. Traditional spring ball going on at Montana State and non-traditional spring ball going on at the University of Montana. The Grizz have games each of the next two Saturdays, April 10th against Central Washington and April 17th against Portland State. But first and foremost, Brooks Nuan at SkylineSportsMT.com joins us and we're going to talk Bobcat football. We have not seen Bobcat football in any form or fashion in more than 400 days. 
between Montana State's loss to North Dakota State in the semifinals of the 2019 FCS playoffs. And then now, the spring football that's been going on for a couple weeks. Brooks has been able to actually catch two different Saturdays worth of practice. I made my practice debut this last week. And uh, Brooks, it was so interesting. It was hard to even wrap your mind around it. On, On one hand, we haven't watched football practice in a long time, period. So it was going to be sort of disorienting, trying to track players and numbers. There's also been a lot of roster overturn the last couple years because, as we know, Jeff Choate always wanted to recruit and out-recruit his roster. There was a ton of guys from the uh, last two freshman classes that we really didn't get a chance to see until uh, these last couple weekends. But then all, all that aside, completely different coaching staff as well at Montana State. So, I mean, I guess just broadly before we get into the details, your impressions of just all the differences of what we've seen at Bobcat Stadium in the last couple weekends. Gosh, how different was it, right? I mean, every single element of it was different. Um, some in, in ways that I could see as being positive moving forward, and some that were just glaring as far as the energy level and kind of where guys were trying to find their position on the field as far as coaching, not necessarily players. Um, it was really interesting. I always one of my biggest impressions that I had this with Jeff showed as well when he was during his first uh, his first season in, in Bozeman was the struggle to figure out a first-time head coach of what you're supposed to do at practice. You really have no idea what you, your bearings as far, as far as what position group do you coach, who do you watch the most. You're really not a coach, so you're more kind of walking around facilitating things. Um, but Vegan stepped back. He watched a lot of different groups. One thing that was very interesting, which would be a big impression, um, was that he spent a lot of time watching quarterbacks as well as coaching quarterbacks, talking about arm angle, talking about feet, uh, footwork, talking about different elements of the pocket. Um, that was really interesting, especially a big change from Jeff Choate, who didn't spend a lot of time in the quarterback room. This was well-documented here um, on the Big Sky Breakdown. Talent-wise, there was definitely some changes as far as uh, some of the players, some of the different position groups. Um, the defensive line looks a whole lot different right now. Um, will that change moving forward? You, know, you have to imagine that not only will development happen, but maybe some transfers and things like that. Um, but the defensive line group looked a whole lot different, as well as uh, but something that was super familiar was the offensive line group, who looked uh, you returned at least four starters and players who have started, or five, up to five players who have started games, but, but uh, you know, a core four that really has played a whole ton together. Um, so that group looked really good. Uh, and it was a little bit more familiar than, than maybe the other side of, of football, as I mentioned. So definitely some differences. Uh, for your first practice, though, Colt, I mean, what, what, what did you think were some of the, the biggest differences that you saw? Well, first and foremost, I've had a chance to sit down with Brent Vegan twice for a couple uh, pretty long interviews, actually. I uh, did about a 25-minute live interview on Nuana's Now My Daily Radio Show, as well as then pre-recorded something on Saturday after practice. And it's just a striking difference because it's not a good or bad thing. It's just completely different in terms of the personality differences between Coach Choate and Coach Vegan. That in itself is going to be an adjustment for the players. Again, not good or bad. It's just going to be an adjustment Totally different level of energy, uh, totally different level of o- way of operating. Um, I mean, you heard, if you heard B.J. Robertson on my radio show last week, uh, he talked to, about just the kind of the analytical approach to the game that Brent Vegan likes to employ. Um, I think that Choate was such a junkie, especially when it comes to defensive football, that even when you were talking about his own personnel or another team's personnel or whatever, when you're talking about defensive guys, there was guys that Choate would just get enamored by, and he would just – fully just love those guys and he'd give you the full ins and outs of all the scouting uh, report of what he thought they could do well and and their physical attributes and all that sort of stuff 
Brent Vegan's sort of like that, except for on the offensive side of the ball. It seems like, and that makes sense considering he's been an offensive coach for the duration of his career. Um, but you could tell that they they definitely have a plan on offense. I thought that uh, just in terms of their personnel driven play calling and their sets and things like that, it seems like it's a lot more fluid now. Uh, I mean, I think that their offense has a chance to make a big jump right away because uh, one of the things you know when you talk about the the different levels of offense, you need quarterback play, you obviously need good up, good play up front, and and you need talent. They have all of those things. The thing that always has been missing, though, has been the consistency in play calling, the diversity in play calling, um, and also just maybe putting some of the underutilized players on the offense in positions to succeed. I think they'll take a big jump in all those elements. I think they're going to get the quarterback thing figured out in a lot more fluid fashion than they maybe have in the past. I do think that they're going to be able to run the ball with authority, and I think Brett Vegan's going to want to do that because even though he is a quarterback guy, that's something that he's always hung his hat on. So I think all those things cater towards them being able to make a big jump offensively. Defensively, I think they have a long ways to go for a variety of reasons. they got to replace some good players up front. It was also hard to gauge just what they're what they're going to be like defensively because you don't have Chase Benson, you don't have Troy Anderson out there, and Tyrell Thomas was limited. Well, those guys are three of your best, if not your three best defensive players. So it remains to be seen what they look like uh, there. Amandre Williams was also a little bit limited, not because of any injury, but they're just trying to keep the reps off of him. But I do think that the number one storyline for me for this spring ball is how does how do the players adjust to the scheme changes but also how do they adjust to maybe playing a tweaked position it might seem simple to go from playing buck in like Amandre Williams has uh, this last season at Montana State to then playing true defensive end actually having your hand in the dirt uh, it might seem simple for a guy like Daniel Hardy to go from playing Sam linebacker to playing defensive end but it's oftentimes not that simple. How do guys adjust at the linebacker spots? They're not playing 3-4 inside linebacker anymore. Now they're playing 4-3. That changes your fits. It changes your comfortability. What you've been working on for years and years and years these, you know, under the, the previous regime and the previous scheme, it's just not as easy as switching around. And on the other side of the ball, I think that my biggest question, I think the skill guys are going to have an opportunity to take a big jump because uh, I think they're just going to be put in a better position to succeed. That said, they did a huge reshuffling on the offensive line, and I don't really know why. They're, they were playing Taylor Tuiasasopo more at center than they were at guard. That's actually a change that stems from the fall, so that was actually the last coaching staff that was thinking of doing that as well. Zach Red has played both guard and center in his career, but he was the center last year, and now they're moving him to guard. Connor Wood was an all-big sky offensive tackle uh, before he got hurt. Now he's playing offensive guard. Lewis Kidd was an all-league guard, and now he's playing tackle. And so the way the offensive line looks like it's playing out right now, the top five seems like it's TJ Sessions at left guard, and then the two guards, I can't remember which one's right and left, but the two guards are uh, Zach Red and Connor Wood, and then Taylor Tuiasasopo and Cole Sane, who's a, a transfer formerly of Montana, and, and then uh, Riverside Junior College is rotating with Tuiasasopo at center, and then you got Kidd out at right tackle. I'm not sure why you flip people around like that. I mean, I do think that Kidd is probably more of a tackle, especially at the next level, than he is as a guard. I do think that Tuyasa Sopo, maybe his best pro position might be as a center. But all that said, those guys have a ton of reps uh, at the previous positions. So I just don't know how that all works. So uh, to me, the biggest concern I have right now is picking up the new scheme, but more importantly, guys picking up the new positions, because it's not just as simple as uh, you know adjusting to a tweak here or there. It's a fundamentally different position for a lot of guys when you're talking about the front seven on defense and the offensive line offensively. 
Yeah, it's completely different. And, I mean, I think that they're equally as challenging. And, you know, offensive line play, oftentimes, especially at this level, we do see guys shifting them out, especially younger guys. You usually put someone younger on the inside, um, not at center, but one of the guard positions, especially if they have enough girth, but maybe not enough length. Um, and then you see that guy develop, grow a little bit, uh, end up playing tackle. Um, it, it, it's a little bit different, too. We'll see how much they want to throw the ball under this new system, this new scheme. But it is a little bit different um, as far as if you're a power run team like they've been over the, the last you know handful of years. It's a completely different model, model offensive line-wise, of, of, of who you put at the guard positions, especially who you put at center. You don't necessarily need that blindside left tackle, your best offensive lineman, to be pass-protecting when you don't throw the ball more than 10 times in a game. Uh, so I think that, that we'll see how that develops. You know, um, We won't get too much into off- offensive scheme stuff until we see a little bit more concrete idea of what they want to do. But it looks like they want to run a ton of zone read with the quarterback run, run game involved, um, which is nothing – new to Montana State um, at times with Troy Anderson at quarterback and other Wildcat quarterbacks like Travis Johnson. But overall, it, it would be a little bit of a different scheme as far as putting the ball in a, in a quarterback's hands who does have a little bit more of the, of the run-pass option. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see how that develops. But I agree as far as the things to watch on the offensive lines and are on both sides of the ball on the, on the lines, defensively and offensively. I think it always starts like there in football. We always talk about that, but I think with this team, how far that they've come along, how much they've grown as a, as a program, uh, highlighting those two, the, 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 those two sides of the ball on the, on, on the front. So I think it's definitely the storyline to keep watching. Of course, we'll talk about quarterbacks. I'm sure as we go. Big Sky breakdown presented by Blackfoot communications. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications can to more. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. The other thing, Brooks, the intangible element of this too is that these guys have been so used to playing an almost a completely hype-driven level of football. And there's various ways of going about this, but Montana State, they want to party on the pile. They want to run to the ball. They want to play with just an exceptional level of exuberance. And that's not uncommon in college football, but I thought that they relied on the emotional element, the toughness element of it more than anybody in the league. And it does makes it takes away certain elements. I mean, it takes 
acute execution or um, you know the strategic element, it makes that a little bit less important. And so maybe if you replace the the missing energy, the missing aggressiveness with that acumen, then maybe you do uh, maybe it balances out. But I just think that this team is going to have an interesting time adjusting to the coaching style because I think that Choate was so demanding all the time. Choate was the ultimate energy bringer. I mean, you, you everybody always talks about bringing your own energy. Well, Choate set the tone every single day, and he made his coaches set the tone every single day. Well, how do those guys go about uh, relearning how to coach or learning how to coach when they don't have this pivotal figure? And I think that is the other thing that, again, it's not here nor there. It's not good or bad. It's just that most of the guys on this team are used to being coached in a certain way. Like you think about a guy like Tyrell Thomas, who's a multiple-year starter at cornerback. I mean, he came to play for Gerald Alexander, the former defensive backs coach. He played in a defense that was run by Ty Gregorak and then Kane Ione, and he played for a head coach in Jeff Choate. I mean, those are four of the most high-energy coaches we've ever covered. And so what's the perspective of the guys uh, that aren't used to this? It's just going to take a long time for these guys to be able to react to it. I mean, I wrote it in my spring uh, practice story after Saturday's session. You know, there was a span in the red zone period where they scored several different touchdowns in a row. Willie Patterson had a great uh, touchdown catch in the corner of the end zone, and uh, a couple guys went and celebrated with them, but the offensive staff had to yell at everybody to go celebrate with them. And it's not like they're not used to doing that, but it seems as if there's just this missing uh, energy element. And I think it's just going to be a huge adjustment for them to figure that out without Choate and some of the other guys that they're so used to having lead them and, and talk them up and coach them up. Yeah, it's vastly different, man. The energy is, um, it's not to say that it's not good. It's just so different. I think you can win football games in a million different ways. I think you can win with a million different styles. Um, I think you could win with, with no talent and intensity and effort and scheme it up. I think you could win with tons of talent and, and, and bad scheme and poor effort and, and vice versa. Any way you want to you want to paint it, I think football can be played a whole lot of different ways. So I don't want to be too critical this early on, especially. One thing I found was interesting, though, is that the coaches have talked kind of extensively about how, hey, man, man, this may be a rate reset for a lot of guys. Maybe you were on bad terms or a bad path before, now you get to reset. Maybe you didn't like where your position was on the depth chart before, now you get to, to, to re-interview for that job. I hope as the spring ball goes along that you kind of see that uh, intensity and some of that competition pick up, especially because oftentimes coaching staffs, it really just it depends on the coaching cycle, but not every new head coach gets a full spring ball, a full summer, and a full fall camp to prepare. So spring ball right now, not only is it playing with house money, but it's like a free gift of, of getting to weed out some of the things you need to weed out, building some of the competitive standards within your program. You know, I remember uh, in 2009 uh, when I was playing at Montana, Coach Bobby Houck took a job at, at UNLV after uh, that team went to the national championship game in Chattanooga in January, and he took a job at UNLV pretty soon after that. Um, and that new, that next regime came in with Robin Flugrad, and that spring ball was really intense, I mean, from the jump, because that coaching staff was trying to set the standard of what they were going to be about. This staff, with so much holdover of last previous coaches, it kind of just seems like they're just sliding into it in a way um, – I've never been around something like that, so it's really hard to critique or to maybe say this is the way you should do something like this because we've never covered a coaching search where the guy, where the, the, the incumbent coach kept most of all the staff. We've never really coached or uh, had a coaching search where 
the, the, the coach who was departing didn't take any staff with him because he wasn't becoming a head coach. That's super unique. So all this is, is new, not only to us, but to most of the college landscape. So we'll give it some time. But all I got to say is, is right now, uh, as you mentioned with, the, with this, those random team celebrations during a, a practice touchdown, things are a lot different at Montana State. When you talk about just the pure talent on the roster, I do think that they're flush on the offensive line. I think they're flush at running back. I do think Matt McKay can play a little bit, so I, I do expect him to probably be the front runner, at least in the limited amount I've seen. Who knows? Maybe Casey Bauman or Tucker Rovic come on late. Maybe Tommy Malott pushes the older guys. But to me, it just seemed like McKay was going to be the guy, and I think that they have a lot of talent at wide receiver that has not been utilized because basically when they threw the ball the last couple of years, they're throwing it to Kevin Cassis or Travis Johnson, and that's it. Everybody else is just blocking. To me, it's the defensive side uh, where they have to, t- to make a lot of strides, especially personnel-wise. I do think that Chase Benson has a chance to be a really good player. Uh, he has been a good player in the past. How does he adjust to the scheme? Amandre Williams is a good building block. I think that Troy Anderson, at linebacker, is a good, spot, uh, a good place to start. Tyrell Thomas can play at corner for sure. I think Ty Okada uh, is pretty good at, at safety, and I think Jeffrey Manning, the Oregon State transfer, he can play a little bit as well. But I'm just so interested to see who else emerges at safety. Who else is going to be that second corner? Can they get a, a couple guys on the defensive front to help the, those anchors really solidify that spot? Who's going to be the main playmakers at linebacker? Can Cal and O'Reilly go from being a, a good player to a great player? Because they need that at that inside linebacker spot as a junior. And who can, who's going to be the third linebacker? Who's going to emerge as maybe the strong side guy in this 4-3 defense? Is Taden Gilman ready to take the next step? Is Nolan Askelson ready to take the next step. But to me, it starts up front and on the back end. I think they need to figure out the other guys that are going to be the primary contributors on the defensive line, and they need to figure out a second and third corner. And I think they need to figure out what the responsibilities of all those guys are going to be as well. I mean, I thought Brent Vegan made an interesting comment to me. You can read it in my story, I just kind of my notebook that I they did a couple days ago. But he mentioned that he thinks the corner and nickel are kind of interchangeable. That doesn't seem like modern-day college football to me. Those are vastly different positions. Both corner spots are even different positions now as well. So uh, how much is he empower? How much is Coach Vegan empowering his defensive staff? How much are uh, those guys, you know, working on the details and who emerges as you know some of those more specialized positions like nickel like the second or third safety i just think that there's there are some holes personnel wise not that maybe they don't have the talent to fill but i think that there's just going to be some new faces that need to step up yeah there's a lot of new faces on defense i think all the corners outside of tyrell thomas is all going to be you know up for grabs it's going to be young players no matter which way you look at it if it's not young it's new um there's a couple freshmen I think can play a couple that so far I don't think are, are, are necessarily ready um, at, at the defensive back spot. Like you said, I mean, nickel is such a different position. Um, most teams have, have it stated on their depth chart with different players at that position than at corner. Um, you have, you know, uh, oftentimes it just depends on the scheme, but most teams, I'd say 70% of teams and at this level of college football and kind of, I mean, even up in the NFL, the NFL is probably close to 35-40% as well, runs field and boundary corners. So the field corner would be a little bit longer, a little bit more pass-oriented, um, a little bit more coverage-oriented, where the boundary corner, who's on that short side of the field when you're on that tight boundary, is a little bit more run-oriented, a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit bigger, stronger corner. Um, very different positions if you do play in that system. And I think Montana State has, and we'll see if they continue to, um, pretty banks with a defensive 
uh, back's background as a coach and a player, and I think that will obviously be a priority position for him, both safety and corner, which we saw him coach a ton of uh, on Saturday. So, And then you move up to the linebacker, and I agree with you, man. There's going to be some guys that have to step up, and I think that Payne Gilman is, is primed to do so. Um, I've always liked his effort, um, his ability. He's a little bit undersized, but they've had so much success with undersized linebackers, and they're doing so right now as well. Nolan Askelson fits that same bill. And Callahan O'Reilly, while he has found some size, is a little bit of a non-traditional Mike uh, when you look at the college football landscape at the Division One level. Uh, so I, it'll be really interesting. Uh, the defensive line will go on forever because uh, the guys that they've rolled through that program in the last 10, 15 years is, is truly where, the, where that program has been built. Um, staff in, staff out. Rob Ash, Jeff Choke doesn't really matter. Uh, that the, the program is really, you know, its calling card has been on that defensive line. And right now there are some serious gaps. I think when you, when you get everyone healthy and all the seniors are on the field and you have Chase Benson and Amandre Williams and you have some guys out there, there, there are some bodies that, that, that need to step up. We'll see what Kyle Reg can do. And we'll see what a, a couple different younger guys can do to, 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 to go next to Benson because, as you mentioned, that 3-4 changing to a 4-3 is so darn different. Um, you need different bodies and you need different styles of, of player than you do in that 3-4. It'll be really interesting to see how that, how that looks. Amadre uh, Williams looks great. So that, that's a good start for that group. Big Sky Breakdown presented by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Much to be seen from Montana State. I think we need to see them live and in person quite a few more times before I have a true analysis, but I do think that they have an opportunity here because they do have a lot of talent. I think it's just going to be a, an acclimation process to be sure uh, for everybody to kind of get on the same page of what's demanded, what's different, all those sorts of things. Big Sky Breakdown presented by Blackfoot Communications. Let's talk about the Grizz. They have a real live game. On Saturday, uh, first of two Saturdays with real live football action at Washington Grizzly Stadium. And uh, it's been a long time for Montana, uh, but they released a depth chart yesterday. And uh, first and foremost, we got to talk about uh, the, the other side because Central Washington comes in here. I, that's a program I covered for several years at the Ellensburg Daily Record and one that I think people that have been fans of Montana for a while know has good talent. I mean, Central has played Eastern pretty much every year and it's always been good games. Uh, the battle in Seattle in 2010, I remember, Central Washington only lost that game by a field goal. Eastern Washington went on to win the national championship that year. Montana fans that were friends of the Grizz back in the mid-2000s, they certainly remember Blaine Bennett's first squad who came into Washington Grizzly Stadium and lost 38-35 to a team that went on to go undefeated all the way until the national championship game in Montana. So uh, Central's always had talent. They've always been able to recruit talent. So this is certainly, uh, even though it's a mid-spring game that is of no consequence to the actual quote-unquote championship portion of the season, this is still an opponent that Montana can't take lightly. Oh, yeah. And Central, I mean, regionally, they're a powerhouse, man. I mean, 
they've had so much success at that school, as well as their ability to get D2 dropdowns or D1 dropdowns to the D2 level. I mean, they, they have guys every year. As you mentioned, both of you and I, you especially are quite familiar with the program. Um, it's not a team you want to take lightly. You never know with spring, you know, how, who's playing, who's hurt, are the are starters going to play, is there more backup situation. None of that will be known until game time, but uh, I do think regionally it's a point you don't want to take lightly. Many storylines coming into uh, spring football here for the Grizz, but uh, the number one is the quarterback spot. Cam Humphrey is listed as the number one guy on the depth chart. Chris Brown's listed as number two. Uh, Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, said he does not anticipate uh, unless the game is fully in hand, many reps for anybody but Cam Humphrey under center. So what do you think of that dynamic, Brooks, the fact that they're going to roll with the, the redshirt senior, uh, I guess, a Division two opponent? Yeah, I think coming into it, I don't necessarily think it was his job to lose, but I do think that he was the front runner, um, clearly the most experienced player in that room. Um, I think that you know, as, as it comes to fall camp, you kind of let him get his reps, you see what you have, you know what you got, you got going into summer, and then you, you open it up for a little bit more of a true competition internally. Um, I think it's probably the right move. I'm not surprised at all to hear that. Along the offensive line, that's obviously been a big concern since Bobby Houck returned to Montana. Uh, but you got some stalwarts there, like Conlon Beaver, who's a three-year starter at left tackle, and uh, Moses Mallory, he's going to be one of your guards. He was one of the better guards in the league last year after transferring in from a junior college. But they did do a little bit of reshuffling. Uh, the transfer of A.J. Forbes into the program, he's a guy that was at Nebraska the last couple of years. Uh, that solidifies the center spot and gives you some great size in the interior as well. He's six foot four, 300 pounds as a third-year sophomore. But uh, the other most interesting move is, Dylan Cook's emergence as the right tackle then makes it so that you can move Colton Kintz. So Colton Kintz, the six foot eight, three hundred and twenty seven pound redshirt junior, former walkout out of Missoula Big Sky, who has been who's gone from uh, big time project to okay player to then pretty solid. Now he's got a chance to be a starter full time on the interior rather than the exterior. So he's playing left guard. So from left to right, it's Conlon Beaver, Colton Kintz, AJ Forbes. Moses Mallory and Dylan Cook. Each and every one of those guys goes at least six foot four. Each and every one of those guys at least three hundred and six pounds. So Brooks, all of a sudden, the Montana offensive line, at least in terms of size and stature, looks like a previous Grizz line when they've been struggling to fill these spots for uh, several years now. Yeah, you've seen some of those guys develop, especially weight wise. You know, they've had a lot of length, and and that was something that uh, Bobby Houck has always emphasized. You know, get some young guys, get them in the weight room. Uh, you don't have to be a 300-pounder coming out of high school. Uh, he's always recruited bigger bigger offensive linemen in general, you know, but they, they don't have to be 300 pounds. A lot of these guys have now gotten there. Um, and, and some experience, you know. I, I think within that group you just named, there's three seniors. Um, a center would probably be the, the spot that they're the, the least experienced in, but plenty of guys that have taken snaps there. Um, moving Colton Kynes to the inside is really interesting. I mean, 6'8", as you mentioned, 317, that's a big kid, um, especially playing on the inside, but I'm sure that they have scheme-wise um, and fit-wise a reason for doing so. So, as you mentioned, this group has, has taken a step back to, to what Coach Houck usually likes in the program and what I think what most Montana Grizz fans are used to seeing um, with some serious size as well as experience. At the skill positions, uh, the names that are not listed on the uh, depth chart are probably the ones that are the most of consequence. I'm working on a story at SkylineSportsMT.com to find out the, the status of Marcus Knight who set Montana's single-season record for touchdowns in a year. Uh, but Nick Osmo listed as the starter. 
Xavier Harris, a true freshman out of Oxford, California, listed as the backup running back. At the receiver spots, Gabe Souls are not listed on the two deep, but he is listed as the starting punt returner, so not sure of his status uh, here. But you know, the receivers, Mitch Roberts playing opposite Sammy Akim, not really surprised there. Ryan Simpson, the six foot six redshirt freshman out of Bozeman, uh, the backup for Mitch Roberts, so maybe he can see some action. I know he's a guy that's really developed internally that they like a lot. Malik Flowers is a guy that's uh, on the depth chart now, too. We'll see if he can finally get involved in the offense after being such an electric kicker turner. But it's the wide receiver spot, which is more like the tight end spot, that's intriguing to me. They have a lot of really talented players there, led by Bryson Deming, who's coming into his third year as a starter. Cole Grossman, a guy that's gotten a lot of internal hype and a guy that maybe can flex out and be sort of that slot-type tight end. Uh, and then I also expect Matt Renswold to be back in the fold as well. Renswold was a really talented guy out of Polson, Montana, who uh, contributed quite a bit as a young player, but then blew his knee against Oregon and has not been back in the fold since then. Uh, but it seems like, Brooks, they're finally ironing out the guys on the perimeter as well, although Samari Toure obviously is a big loss. It seems like they're pretty solid on all the guys that might be catching balls from Cam Humphrey. Yeah, especially, you know, with those guys that are listed as the ones, it's a group with experience, as you mentioned. Um, I'll be interested to see Gabe Solzer's status as well as if Malik Flowers can ever, uh, you know, make the jump to, to get offensive reps. You know, he's, he's such a dynamite, um, dynamic kick returner, uh, really athletic, solid player, but never really has played a ton of offensive reps at receiver um, in-game during season. So uh, the kind of guy I would look to, you know, I think this is his fourth year in the program. Um, the kind of guy you'd hope at some point takes a jump, uh, whether it's schematics or, or, or maybe the playbook, this is the kind of guy that you, you want on the field. Um, I also thought it was interesting, and I know we'll get to defense, but uh, Levi Janicara moving from fullback to linebacker um, kind of solidifies the linebacker room as well as opens up some of the fullback play. Trace like uh, Texier is, is such a, a big bruising style of player. It'll be really fun to see if they can get him involved and bring back some of the traditional fullback play that Montana has had throughout the years. And of course, the tailback, you know, as you mentioned, Marcus Knight, a kid that I know played a little bit of lacrosse in the off season or during the the canceled COVID season, Uh, a kid who's also very thoughtful and uh, a smart kid. So you wonder, you hope he's on the team. You wonder where he's at, um, see his status. Maybe he's taking spring off as far as the physicality of actually playing football. And that's one thing as we continue on this depth chart is, um, you know, maybe for fans or, or folks listening, this is definitely not the fall depth chart. This is definitely not uh, the, the first game of conference season next fall, maybe come end of September. This is a spring depth chart. Um, so there'll be some younger guys getting in, in the two deep, which is awesome to see, and, and they'll get opportunities uh, the next couple of weeks. Big Sam Breakdown presented by Blackfoot Communications. And looking at this depth chart, Brooks, I think that <laughs> this is so funny to say, but looking at Montana's depth charts for the last handful of years, honestly, I think that the first two things I always thought was, well, where the hell's this position, or why is this guy playing this spot, or why isn't this guy playing at this spot? It seemed like there was a lot of obvious um, position moves that could have been made that were just never made, and now – with Coach Alk back in the fold, they seem like they're getting almost every guy playing the actual right position. And you look at the linebackers. Now you got a couple Montana born and bred guys like Marcus Weldell and Braxton Hill that are expected to play right next to Jace Lewis. Seems like that's just so obvious. You got Patrick McConnell, uh, O'Connell, excuse me, playing off the edge and Levi Janicaro backing him up. You know, I mean, covering Levi Janicaro in high school, when you got a six foot one, 240 pound guy, you got to figure out a way that can run and, and hit like him. 
It just seems like you got to find a spot to get him on the field. Well, now he's playing linebacker where he has, actually has a shot to get on the field. And just on down the line, it seems like now when you look at their defensive depth chart, and the one guy, by the way, who is missing from this defensive depth chart is Trajan Cotton, and I can't confirm. He's just a little banged up. He's just not going to play uh, in this Saturday game. He's an Oregon State transfer, expected to contribute at corner. But other than that, you look at the rest of the depth chart, and pretty much everybody uh, seems like they're in the right spot. It looks pretty solid. I mean, the only other real surprise is Jackson Lee, a former uh, explosive player out of Phillipsburg by way of Missoula Sentinel, who was uh, nobody knew which side of the ball he was going to play. Well, he's backing up Robbie Houck at free safety. He's up to 222 pounds, which is impressive uh, for him considering his frame. Uh, and Garrett Graves playing defense as well, backing up Nash Fouch at the, the nickel spot. Uh, but those those are also just kind of sort of obvious. Like Those are the spots that when you look at that on the depth chart, you think, wow, that's where that guy should be playing. And so it seems like they've really just ironed out getting guys in the right spots to succeed. Yeah, and in such a good way, too, college football has gotten to the point where so much of it is if a guy can run and catch and throw a little bit like a Garrett Graves or like a Jackson Lee, they end up just playing receiver, just getting buried. Or they end up being the fourth running back, or they end up being the seventh quarterback. I mean, Garrett Graves was an impressive high school quarterback, but it didn't seem like he was ever going to be the kind of kid that played on the offensive side of the ball, in my opinion. And you kind of see that. Bobby Howe getting back to some of those roots of we need some of our biggest time playmakers on defensive side of the ball. We need some of those guys in the secondary. Uh, you love to see it, especially some of the homegrown kids um, from Montana. The, the the secondary is interesting, especially with the starting nickel position. I really like that. Uh, the linebacker spot where you said Patrick O'Connell, that'll be more of an edge position. Um, so two linebackers and then maybe a big nickel like a, like a Nash Fouch and a Garrett Graves. I think that's a fantastic um, Scheme-wise, for what they've wanted to do the last couple of years, uh, those those younger guys are going to start coming into their own, you hope, or you'd imagine at least. Um, a guy like Nash Fouch is taking a lot of snaps on special teams as well as some defensive play. Um, his third year in the program, you, you expect to kind of see a jump from one of those kind of guys, especially gain a little weight, play in the box, start making plays. Uh, it seems like uh, the Grizzlies are on the right track defensively. I'm just wondering, too, I wonder if they listed this depth chart just because of strategy or maybe they listed it because of ease, more at ease for the media and maybe the the members of the media that don't understand the nuances of the game. Or if it does indicate a little bit of a shift because they still do have a true nose. Eli Alford and Alex Gubner listed as the two uh, true nose guys. But then they also have now, instead of a rover spot, it's a nickel. Instead of a... I think they used to call it the Grizz spot. They actually have a real free safety, real strong safety listed. And instead of that, uh, the edge spot, I can't remember what they used to call it, but they have three true linebackers. So you wonder if it's indicative of maybe some tweaks to the scheme and if they're going to go start running a little bit more of a traditional type scheme or if this is just put into layman's terms uh, for media to, to maybe comprehend it better. Yeah, I mean, I think it's not even for anyone to comprehend better. It's just there's no point of – I've never understood the idea of calling a bandit and star. and it's Just call it an edge. It's just so easy. Or just call it linebacker. I've never been a fan of rover or any of that kind of stuff. It just It's a nickel. That's just make it simple as far as internal, external, media, not media, fans, not fans. It doesn't really matter to me. I'll tell you one thing. We're talking about like a linebacker being Patrick O'Connell. He's not going to be playing in Mike. You know, this guy's going to be playing on the edge no matter what you want to call it. Sam, it'll be up on the line of scrimmage oftentimes with his hand in the dirt. There's just no way that's the style of player he is. There's no way they're going to stand him up and put him in the box, I would imagine. Um, a little bit of a hybrid front um, with that linebacker position being up there. So when you talk about a 3-4, a lot of times – 
the three four linebacker like Jadavion Clowney in the NFL is oftentimes considered a three four linebacker, even though he's clearly a, he's six seven, two hundred and eighty pounds. He's a defensive end. Um, but just due to the scheme, he's a linebacker because there's a nose. And when there's a nose and there's a three and a five tech instead of a, a seven and, or a nine. And there is no wide gap uh, defensive end. All three of those guys, the nose and both defensive ends, are honestly three defensive tackles in a way. Um, you know, the five tech, which is traditionally like a J.J. Watt defensive end, really does play on the inside. They're, 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 they're head up on the guard and sometimes just shaded to, to the outside of the guard. Um, but still, they're not wide tackle um, like you'd think of a traditional end or head up on tackle. It's a little bit different of a it's, – it's a hybrid offensive front, um, which they have been running for, for some time now. Uh, and it, it, I kind of think of that as, as, as I mentioned, more three defensive tackles and an edge guy. Last thing for you then on the Grizz, I got my eye on a couple guys on offense and a couple guys on defense that I'm really excited to watch. I do want to see how Ryan Simpson transitions uh, to this Division One wide receiver because he was uh, – you could see his potential at Bozeman High School, but uh, not really utilized that much, and he was way more of a basketball player than a football player. So uh, how has he come along? I'm excited to see Xavier Harris. I thought he was the best skill guy in his recruiting class at running back, and I'm interested to see how the offensive line reshuffling works, particularly with Colton Kainz moving to the inside at left guard. And on the defensive side, I'm just uh, I'm excited to see how much progress they've made on the D-line, because when you look at the, the two deep there, I think now the six guys that are listed, Joe Babros and Braden Deming at one end spot, Justin Belknap, the transfer from Arizona, and Jacob McGoring, the redshirt freshman uh, who had a breakout true freshman year in 2019, and then Eli Alford, the Air Force transfer, and Alex Gubner, who was one of the breakout stars of 2019 as well, at nose. I mean, th- that looks like a pretty darn solid defensive front. So I'm excited to see all those guys. I'm excited to get my first look at uh, cornerback Justin Ford, who's a transfer from Louisville. I'm interested to see how Jackson Lee looks at 220 pounds and, and how, he, how he still runs uh, playing that free safety spot. And uh, I'm also interested to see just how much progress Nash Fouch has made because I think he is a guy that has top-level talent if he can continue to hone um, the intangible parts of the game. I think he has a chance to be uh, really, really explosive there. So anybody in particular, Brooks, that you have your eye on uh, Saturday when the Grizz take the field against Central Washington? Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, as far as everything you just named, but the, if I had a guy in offense, I'd like to see Cole Grossman. I've heard a lot about him as far as his development physically. And, and you know, that position at, at the tight end position has been, you know, you and I talk about it all the time. It's almost a no brainer at this level, uh, at the FCS level, but the division one level in general, I mean, tight ends are oftentimes some of the best athletes on the field with a combination of size and athleticism. Um, Montana has had a bunch of good ones and, and thrown to the tight end, especially throwing the seam ball in, in the red zone as, 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 you know, catching touchdowns right at the field goal post has, has been a, a tradition at Montana for the better part of the last, you know, or part of the last decade, but it's been, there's been a little bit of a gap there. So I'd like to see if a young guy like Cole Grossman can come along. And then on defense, I'm really interested to see Marcus Momo. Um, I know that he's a, he's a weight room guy and a big, strong developmental kid who's now in his third. Actually, he might be in his fourth year in the program. I'm getting a chance to get one reps. Uh, can't wait to see him and, and, and some of his development as well. Brooks, appreciate the time. And uh, it'll be fun to recap some of this stuff when we actually have a football game to watch. But in the meantime, be well. Thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely, man. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. 
There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sports Bet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sports Bet Montana location or by using the Sports Bet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sports Bet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sports Bet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sports Bet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Next up, I was not able to actually get Bobby Halk live in person. I went to practice about 2.45 on Monday for his 3 o'clock availability. They had some meetings moved back. My radio show starts at 4, so I had to get out of there by 3.35, and he had not come yet. So uh, Sports Information was kind enough to hold my recorder for me, so I was not participating in this. But here's some thoughts for Bobby Halk leading up to the Central Walk. Okay, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's good. Uh, well, the Diva will be without... Everybody ready? Yep. Okay, fire away. We'll just start with the obvious question, Bobby. It's game week, you know, first time in over a year for you guys. How does that feel? Well, as you mentioned, it's been a long time since we played, and I think everyone here is excited to compete against another team, you know, players, coaches, and uh, certainly our fans will be excited to to get a chance to watch us. When it comes to a game week, I mean, a lot of these guys, this is their first experience with the game week preparation. Is that a big aspect of this, of kind of getting them with the, under the ropes, you know, before fall and everything? Yeah, you know, normally we have a chance to do some more uh, dress rehearsal type stuff. And with school being on and spring ball and all those things, we just don't, we don't have the same kind of time as we do in August. So uh, I hope it doesn't look too haphazard next weekend. Tell us a bit about Central Washington. What are you, what are you expecting out of them? Well, that's probably the biggest question mark. You know, we, we've uh, neither one of us has played for quite a while, so there's going to be some change. They've had some staff changes. They've had some personnel changes. Um, but we, we know we can anticipate a good battle. Um, we know that the last season they played, they had a, uh, a wild game at Idaho and lost 38-35. Uh, I do know that uh, in 08 they came in here and could have beat us and that was a Grizz team that won 14 and played for the national championship so we know we'll have our hands full. Do you approach this trying to get as many reps for other guys as possible or you're just going to play starters like it's a kind of a normal game and then the score will dictate that? They're keeping score Sean. They're keeping score. Then they're keeping score. In a game like this, is getting reps for some of the new guys? That's a dumb question, Sean. (laughs) Hey, you people want to filter through guys. What did I say last week? It's a game. Push-up contest. It's a game. game. Checkers. We're trying to beat your ass. Got it? Got it. Push-up contest or game What did you say? Don't go change it, coach. (laughs) Never change. Thanks. Um... How did a game like this get put together with Central Washington and Portland State? I mean, how are these, you know, the teams, how did you guys make this work in the spring? Well, we had to find, <laughs> there's a lot of things going to it, you know, logistics in terms of being able to get here at a reasonable cost. You know, it would be, with what airlines cost, it would be hard to bring someone in from the East Coast. So we're looking for teams that uh, would be uh, a great game, you know, be a challenge for them, a challenge for us. And then, uh, proximity and you know which means probably a bus trip and 
and we were able to uh, just call the coaches and set it up, which is pretty cool. But say, how much does that like previous relationship stuff? Like, obviously, you know Barnum, but like you know you played Central Washington before. Does that play a factor in maybe making these work? Uh, yeah, probably a little bit. I, I don't know. I mean, to each is everybody's looking out for their own best interest. But yeah, when you have people you know and can call, uh, that probably played into a little bit. Kind of stumbled around on that for you. Sure. Yeah. You get to run out of the tunnel for the first time in. What did we say it was? 68 weeks? 485 days. 485 days. For the first time, you're 485 days, you're going to get to run out of the tunnel on Saturday. What's it going to feel like? What do you look... Well, like I said, I think everybody involved is pretty excited to uh, play somebody else. And, you know, last week trying to keep players from killing each other and coaches from killing each other. It's nice to have a common opponent rather than the offense or the defense. I think... uh, I think everybody's pretty enthused to play. We were always, if they aren't, we got the wrong dudes. I mean, you're always evaluating at practice in your own scrimmages. Does the evaluation change for a game? Do you put a little bit more stock into that? Are you excited to see certain groups, certain guys? Uh, no, you can't. You mean in terms of who's playing and what? Just like as far as your evaluation, like, and you're, you're watching, you know, different guys battling for different spots yeah. at practice. But does that maybe is it a little bit different in a game when you're evaluating? Well, it's kind of in season, out of season stuff. You know, you evaluate practice to see who gets the first snap of the game, and then once you get in season, then you evaluate the game film and see who's going to start next week. So that's kind of where we are. We've evaluated the, the practices we've had, and that's who will get to start, and then we'll look at it on Sunday and decide who gets to go next week. You got a lot of players on this team too. You know, been with the program, haven't gotten a chance to play a game, especially this freshman class. So to even, you know, it is a game, but to get some of those guys' reps, is that a priority as well to some of the young guys? No, just winning. Well, this week during practice, <laughs> <laughs> we all ask. <laughs> You've answered it enough times. All right, Frank, go ahead and ask me who's going to play this weekend. Yeah, exactly. Um, but this week during practice, how, how, how do you balance just a, a normal week of game prep for still getting guys some development reps like you have the past three weeks? Well, we, we won't do that. You know, we that's what we did in the fall. That's what we did in the summer when we worked out, and then that's what we've done this spring for four weeks of practice. So... This is all just, this is a game week, and that's that's exactly where we're at. 5,000 fans in the stands, obviously not a full stadium, but what are you kind of expecting to see out of Grizzly Nation this week? How do you think it's going to affect the atmosphere on Saturday? Uh, I think it'll be, again, everybody's so excited to play, and uh, those that are, are able to get in uh, to watch will be excited to be there. So more the merrier, in my opinion. When it comes to this defense, what in what you've seen through three weeks so far, what do you think is the biggest strength of your defense? You know, as you guys get ready for this game, uh, I think effort. I think this is a group that'll that'll play with uh, a great deal of effort, and I and I think we tackle well. So those those two things, uh, hopefully, those will show up on Saturday. That's what I've seen in the, the prep sessions. So I'm assuming that'll be the case Saturday. Then kind of one more for me, just uh, with a guy like Jace Lewis that you've got a chance to coach now for this, you know, going into year four, um, you know, what's it been like to coach him and see him? He's another one of these small-town Montana kids who really, you know, kind of opened a lot of eyes, that linebacker, a position you guys star a lot. You know, what have you, what's he done for this program and what have you liked from him? Well, Jace has been productive, first of all. You know, he's made a lot of, a lot of tackles in his career to date. Um, 
certainly we all, a bunch of us here, have affinity for small town Montana guys that do well, and we've had a bunch of those guys over the years. He's uh, another one in that line of, of players, and I think probably the best thing he's done is he's worked really hard to improve, and I think he's a much better player today than he was, you know, we're standing out here for springs ago. In your time coaching and in season openers, what aspects of your team can you get the best read on in the first game of the year? Well, season openers are always interesting. Certainly this one's unique. Barry Allen. Uh, certainly this one's unique because of the, the space of time between games. Um, always worry about the unknown in season openers. You know, when you get into mid-season, you kind of know what you're going to get and your plan is either good or it isn't, but teams don't just have wholesale changes. Um, these next two weeks, I don't have a real definitive idea of what we're going to see from the other teams. So um, I think maybe the best thing we'll get a chance to see out of our team is their ability to adjust on the fly to things we haven't planned for. Anybody else? All right. Well done, man. Well, it's time now for one of our favorite segments of the week. It is the ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls in Missoula. And this week, a special guest on the ESPN Roundtable. It's Chris Fisk. He's the head coach for the Central Washington Wildcats. Central Washington plays at the University of Montana against the Grizzlies this Saturday, April 10th, 11 a.m. kickoff. And, Coach, I know it's a busy week, so thanks so much for taking some time. How are you? Good, good. I'm excited to be on and can't wait to get out there to Missoula. It's interesting because we talked a little bit before going on air here, but I have a lot of ties to Ellensburg because as a lot of people that listen to Nuanez now here on ESPN Radio, they know I started my uh, sports writing career at the Ellensburg Daily Record. So I uh, cut my teeth at the Missoulian for a little while and then moved to Ellensburg and covered Central for a couple seasons. So I know uh, sort of the background and, and the way Central football has gone, at least here in the last 10 or 15 years. But Central Washington football has always been uh, a great program with great tradition, and they've always had a lot of success. So you you yourself, Coach, you've been there since the spring of 2016. What brought you to Central Washington? What did you like about the opportunity? Because it seems like it's a place, just considering its location and its resources, that really has a chance to win at a high level, the Division II level. Yeah, I think when you're in the coaching profession, you you know about Central Washington. You know about the coaches that have come out of here and and the teams they've been able to put together. And, and really, you know, um, not necessarily recently, but have gone in and been able to win some of those games where they where they played up a level and. And so when I had the opportunity to come here, Coach Shoemaker, who's now the offensive coordinator over there at Eastern, uh, brought me up here in 2016. We knew each other uh, from some time in the Midwest. And, and uh, when he got the job here, it uh, took a little bit of time. We, we had a good run down there at Southern Oregon where I was coaching in the Frontier League. And, and um, you know, we got done with our 15th season down there, and it just seemed like the right time to get up here and make the move up to Central. And and haven't looked back. Really love being here in in Ellensburg and and uh, the direction of the school. Our president uh, and our athletic director here. And and uh, you know you're you're at a school where they want to win, much like much like Montana. They want to win at the highest level of their division. And so uh, it was an easy easy um, choice for me to make to get up here to Central. 
I know it's been uh, this incredible waiting game for everybody that likes football because we haven't really had any football to speak of in more than a year. But the last time your team did take the field back in 2019, uh, a good season, 7-4 and record, end of the year on a pretty significant winning streak. So what's the last 18 months or so been like for you and your program? It must have been sort of frustrating to have to wait so long, but you also must be excited to get back out on the field on Saturday. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's really been a long 18 months, I, I would imagine, for both programs and that, that uh, you know, just everything that went on from the pandemic to what was going on socially in our society, um, you know, there's a lot of emotions and feelings that everybody's been through in multiple fronts and trying to keep your, your crew together, whether it's the coaching staff or the players, you know, it's been a lot. And, uh, you know, we're just really excited that uh, – Hopefully that period's over and we're moving forward and hopefully get back here to normal. But uh, you know, I think that that you know, for us and and the Grizz, it's it's going to be a lot of emotions out on that field on Saturday of you know what we've been through over the last 18 months and and uh, you know it's been a long time since either one of us have played football, so I don't know what to expect. But uh, you know, I, I'm sure it'll be emotional for the kids and the coaches. I know the Grizz, they wanted to get a couple, at least one, maybe two spring games on the schedule so they could do uh, go into basically in-season preparation mode. During normal uh, Division One rules for spring football, you usually get the 15 spring practices. The Grizz having a game this weekend and next weekend, it allots them about twice as many practices. So how does it work at the Division Two level, Coach? I mean, have you guys been provided extra practice time for engaging in this game? And if so, how have you taken advantage of that? Yeah, you know, basically what, what we've been able to do is declare our championship segment, which is um, what we do normally in the fall. And it, it runs, we've been able to, you know, from, from late February, and we, can, we have the ability to go clear till May 22nd uh, if we choose to. But uh, we've been able to get some more practices, extra practices, a little bit more than the normal um, spring schedule. So we'll, we'll end up, uh, you know, between practice and playing this football game, We'll have about uh, 27 opportunities to uh, have practiced and played a game. Chris Fischer, and he's the head coach for the Central Washington Wildcats. It is the ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls in Missoula. And coach, I know it's been a while since you actually engaged in football, but you guys did play a Big Sky Conference team in 2019. Uh, the Idaho Vandals played them in Moscow in September of 2019, and uh, a pretty good game. Came down to the wire, you ended up losing 41-31, but is there anything that you and your squad can take from uh, playing a Big Sky game, or has it been too long to have any crossover from uh, that game against the Vandals more than a year and a half ago? No, I think you know definitely the majority of our roster was there for that game, so I think there's definitely something you can take from that. And a lot of those kids played Eastern the year before, you know, the year that they went to the national championship. And so we've, we've seen, you know, as, as good as there is and, and everything in between. And so I think our kids know what to expect. And, and uh, you know, we've done a great job uh, educating those guys on the history of Montana football, the pride that comes out of that program, the pride in the number 37 and uh, everything in between. And so, you know, um, we're well aware of what uh, Coach Houck has done in his first stint and, uh, looks like he's definitely got those guys back uh, to play in Grizzly football. Tell us a little bit about your squad as you make your way to Missoula. What sort of identity did you guys craft in your first season in 2019, and what parts of that do you want to carry over now into this year? 
Yeah, you know, in, in 2019, we inherited a, a team and a program that was very young. You know, we had, we had uh, essentially one returning starter on offense, and, and now it's the opposite. All those kids are back, and we only lost one kid. So uh, we're, we're excited to see what our offense can do. Uh, there's some experience there. We've got an experienced receiver core, um, experienced quarterback. Uh, up front, we've got some guys now that have some starts, uh, which is way different than the last time we played. And so, uh, and then we've got a great tailback who's an All-American and, and a dynamic runner, and, and uh, we've got some depth in now behind him. So we're, we're, we're very excited to see that offense get out there and see what they can do and operate. And then defensively, you know, we, we had to revamp our defense after the 2019 season, so we went a different direction with our staff on that side of the ball. Um, brought in a, a familiar face in Coach Johnson, who had been here, um, you know, on our, our 2015 through 17 campaigns, and part of a very special defense in 2017. So we're excited to get him back on staff and really kind of reinvigorate. You know, when I when I took the job and when I thought of Central football throughout the years, uh, you know, certainly we've had some good offenses, but I've always thought about great defense up here at Central, especially at the Division II level. And so, you know, Coach Johnson coming in and, and kind of my my thought of getting our defense back to that level. And so we're, we're excited to watch those guys go out and play with a new, a renewed vigor and, and hopefully uh, go out there and, and be the type of defense that they want to be. When I was covering Central in the late 2000s, the defense was certainly ferocious. I always had great talent. I mean, honestly, guys that were a lot of times power five uh, transfers and, and that neck of the woods, you can get a lot of guys from around the region that are maybe looking for a second chance. So just in terms of your recruiting philosophy, Coach, it, does that do you still try to, to capitalize on some of those same advantages, being able to get guys from the Northwest that, that maybe needed an, another opportunity? Or how do you go about building your personnel, first defensively, but also just across the board? Yeah, you know, I think one of the one of the great things about coaching here at Central is uh, you have a lot of coaches that have coached here in the past, and that now they're they're on to different um, jobs, and and you know, coaching at places like Boise State and around the Mountain West and the Big Sky, and certainly when they have a player that's leaving the program, you know, we are on the forefront of their mind of a place for that that young man to go to, and so we do do get a lot of calls of guys that that need that second opportunity or you know, just our, our Division two level type of player. And so, you know, we build our, our roster through that, but we, we try to do a great job vetting those kids and making sure that they're a good fit for what we want to do. But when Coach Shoemaker took over the program in 2014, we focused, you know, really probably a little bit more towards the high school athlete, building it with the, uh, the four-year player in mind. And, and I haven't changed that a bit. You know, I, one of the reasons I came up here to to coach for coach shoemaker was i believed in the way he was running things and so we run it you know very similar to that but we definitely are, are always keeping an eye out for that transfer that can come in and impact our program chris fisk joining us he is the head football coach central washington university his team takes on montana in missoula on saturday washington grizzly stadium it is our espn roundtable presented by paradise falls in missoula only five thousand tickets being sold for this game so if you need a place to go watch this uh, matchup on Saturday. Head on down to Paradise Falls. They have 30 big screen TVs, 18 draft beers, and they'll have a bunch of specials for game day. So head on down to Paradise Falls if you need a place to watch the game. Coach, let's talk about your quarterback a little bit. I know he's a returning starter. I know he's got Northwestern ties. It's interesting because there's so many guys from that neck of the woods on Montana's roster too. So I'm sure that uh, Christian Moore has probably played 
against several of the guys on Montana as well. But uh, what do you like about his talent? It seems like he's got the prototype size as a six foot five guy, uh, Bellarmine Prep product. So he came from a, a good high school with a good program. So what do you hope for him as he enters uh, another year as your starting quarterback? Well, I think the thing that that Christian brings to the table is he's a, he's an unbelievable leader. You know, our guys rally around him. They play hard for him. Uh, and he's got a, a ton of athletic ability to go with it. You know, he's got a unique um, size and speed to him. You know, he's not a he's not a guy that's probably going to go get loose to, you know, hit a fifty yard run. But you know, he's he's a tough guy in a in a crowd, and he's he's tough to bring down. He's got some size to him, and um, really a dynamic runner that way. But uh, you know, I think he makes great decisions. He takes care of the football, and and like I said, the kids play really, really hard on both sides of the ball for him, and his leadership abilities are, are something that are hard to replicate. And you mentioned your running back, an All-American rushed more than 1,500 yards a year ago. Is that something you want to lean on? Is that you think that's a, a essential part of your offense now uh, coming into this next season? Yeah, you know, I think uh, if you if you are, are developing a program to play uh, through the championship level, um, you know, you're going to build that thing around the run game, and, and that's that's our philosophy here. Not much different than what you see out of the Grizz, right? And so, you know, we want to be able to run the ball, and we want to be able to stop the run up front defensively, but we're going to lean on Michael Roots. Uh, he's a dynamic back. He's a leader on our football team, um, you know, and he's a guy that uh, he's he's been making plays since the day he walked through the doors, and, and hopefully uh, he's got a lot more plays left in him uh, come Saturday. And defensively, who are some players that uh, might turn some heads for Grizz fans and, and people around the Big Sky that are watching this action on Saturday? Yeah, you know, a, a guy to watch is is Dante Hamilton, number 23. Um, he's a guy that uh, was a senior uh, on our 2019 team, uh, had a season cut short due to injury, so he took a medical red shirt. He's back for us and, and kind of the heart and soul of that defense. And uh, we're expecting big things from him, not not only as a playmaker but a leader, a guy that can can keep those guys together and playing hard for for four quarters. So I think he's a guy to definitely keep an eye on for us. Let's talk about the Grizz side of things, Coach. When you watch Montana on film, what what are your impressions overall, just of Montana's football team? You know, I, I think overall is is you see um, you know what Coach Hauk is, his personality in that team. They're a tough football team. They play with with. Um, uh, a relentless pursuit defensively. I mean, you you look at that that defensive film, and you got constantly eleven guys running to the football. They're all physical and they're very talented. And so we'll have our hands full um, on on that side of the ball. And then offensively, you know, I, I grew up in Pocatello, Idaho, and I remember watching the Grizz come to town in the the, the mid 1990s. And um, you know, they just had enormous offensive lines, and you kind of look over there and it. You know that's that's what they got. They got size and the ability to run the ball. You know, I think they've got some experience at quarterback because that that young man was able to play in some games last year, and they're dynamic on the outside at receiver. And so you know you're you're got a lot to deal with in in terms of um, them being able to run the ball, and and they do a nice job mixing personnel, and they do a nice job uh, with their play action pass game. And so uh, we'll definitely have our hands full um, both sides of that thing. I'm sure when you're watching the film, number 18, the wide receiver, is one that certainly stands out just because he's just so big and strong and he's got the long hair, so he pops on film. But is, is that a primary matchup on the perimeter for your defense this week? 
Oh, there's no doubt about it. But you know, there's there's multiple primary mashups when you when you put that film on. I think that uh, you know the thing that uh, we probably talk about these receivers and all those people. But I think the primary matchup for us, anytime that you're playing up, the primary matchup is in the trenches. You know, it's it's whether or not we can we can play with them at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, our offensive line and defensive lines. It's a crucial game for those guys, and if if those guys um, you know, can't get the job done up front. It, it really doesn't matter what we do in the back end of things. You know, we're going to have to to win the line of scrimmage, or at least play with those guys at the line of scrimmage to give ourselves a chance. He's Chris Fisk, the head coach for Central Washington University. Wildcats play at Washington Grizzly Stadium against the Montana Grizzlies on Saturday, 11 a.m. kickoff. Hey, coach, what are the primary objectives? I mean, what do you? What does your team hope to get out of this game? Obviously, you guys want to come in here and get a win. What will that take? And uh, what are some other things you're going to be watching for just in terms of, of getting what you want out of this football game on Saturday? Yeah, you know, I think offensively for us, it's going to be to establish the run game and, uh, you know, take that experience up front that we have and, and uh, hopefully a dynamic running back and, you know, if we can if we can run uh, in the the 150 area, we feel like we have a chance. Also, limit their possessions. Uh, don't don't let tempo and those types of things, you know, um, kick us out of being in this game. And uh, you know, limit the amount of possessions that that we give um, the Grizz on Saturday. And so, you know, we'll try to establish that and uh, you know make sure that we we hold on to the ball as much as we possibly can. I think defensively. Um, you know, is is really kind of working through some of our kinks. You know, we got a new coordinator and, and a new defense, and so we'll, we'll see how that communication process goes on the field. And then we've got to be great tacklers. You know, and when we get the chance to make those plays in space, um, and if we if we can't stop the run, it's going to be a long day. So uh, we'll be focused on uh, making sure we got people in gaps and making plays when they come to people, and and hopefully uh, find ourselves uh, in the fourth quarter in a ball game. He's Chris Fisk. His Central Washington Wildcats play against Montana Saturday, 11 a.m. kick from Washington Grizzly Stadium. Coach, I know it's a busy week. We appreciate you taking so much time with us. Thanks so much for joining us. Best of luck on Saturday. Maybe we'll catch up with you down the road. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, and uh, we'll see you out in Missoula. ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls in Missoula. Sports Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sports Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sports Bet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sports Bet Montana location or by using the Sports Bet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sports Bet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sports Bet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sports Bet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Well, happy now to be joined on Nuanez Now by a senior linebacker from the University of Montana football team. And all of a sudden, it's game week for Jace Lewis and his teammates. And so, Jace, let's just start there. Does it feel like game week right now, even though it is the second week of April? Yeah, I mean, it does. I, I was just talking to Coach Howell about this uh, yesterday after practice because our Mondays are typically lighter. It's more of kind of like a walkthrough for, on a game week. So, and it was like that. And, I just it just felt like a game week for once, and it felt normal for 
for once in the last year, so it was, it was good. The last time I saw you was when we were doing the press conference on Washington Grizzly Stadium announcing the cancellation of the fall, and I think we were everybody there was pretty much just depressed. Nobody was happy about anything. So, I mean, what's what's it been like to kind of navigate this last little while? And I know that there's some teams in the Big Sky that are playing right now, but it seems like Montana made the right choice all overall. Maybe should have played in the fall, but here nor there. Now here you guys are, you actually have a game to prepare for this spring. So, I mean, just take us through these last couple months for you and your teammates. Yeah, there's there's a lot of ups and downs over the last, uh, you know, year because of the whole COVID situation. But, yeah, I mean, we all stuck together, and we just hit the weight room hard, and we had that little, uh, like, spring ball in the fall there to take us into the winter, had our con- winter conditioning, and now into spring ball. But I think guys are fired up to play two games because it's been so long now. So I think the two games will be good for us and, and let us go into this the next this next fall with with high hopes and stuff. I was grabbing a bite to eat the other night and ran into a couple of your teammates, and you could definitely tell the strength gains, like you mentioned. So, I mean, is that sort of a hidden advantage in all this, the fact that you guys were able to kind of buckle down and hit the weight room super hard for maybe a longer period of time than you normally would? Yeah, and, and the uh, intensity of the training, I mean, because like usually in the fall it's more lighter training, you know, just because season and guys are beat up, but but so I mean, this fall we—that's all we did was work out. So we, we everything was in, more ramped up and intense. So yeah, the, the gains that were made in the off season are—it's pretty cool to see. Especially for the young guys, right? I mean, it seems like I saw a couple guys that are—they still haven't even really got to play their quote-unquote freshman season, even though they've been around for a couple of years now. So it seems like it really helps out the young guys too in, in terms of getting that strength you need to play college football. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of pros and cons that have that have come with the whole situation, but that's definitely one of the pros that that, that has happened was the weight room. Jace Lewis joining us. He's a linebacker for the University of Montana. They play games each of the next two Saturdays, Central Washington this Saturday at Washington Grizzly Stadium and next week against Portland State. And, Jace, uh, one more question about the, the strength and, and conditioning part of this. You guys got a new strength coach here in, in recent months as well. We had Dan Ryan on this show. Uh, I remember Dan from back in the day when I was at the University of Montana as well. And a uh, great guy, and it seems like he's really turned into a really excellent coach as well. So I know that you guys, you spend a lot more time with the strength and conditioning coach than maybe any of the other coaches on the team. So what's that transition been like? How you guys adjusting to Coach Ryan? Yeah, I mean, it's always a, it's always a, a big change when you get a new new coach in especially I mean we've spent a lot of time with coach Nicholson over I mean especially like the seniors and juniors over the last four years so getting getting somebody new is just a change but I mean it's something that happens so you just got to make the adjustment and go and 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 I mean it's been good though a lot of guys are getting stronger and more powerful so yeah it's it's been good for us Take us through the last couple of weeks because I think that one of the smart parts about playing these games, not only do you guys get to actually go out and, and compete and you know hit somebody else besides each other, but it doubles up the amount of time you, you got for spring ball practices. Because I know like Montana State, for example, or Northern Colorado, they're just doing normal spring ball right now, You know, just the 15 practices, couple scrimmages. But you guys, you get double the practices, and now you actually get like game weeks to prepare for. So just take us through what practices have been like the last couple of weeks. Yeah, so I mean, it was, I think we practiced three weeks, maybe three and a half, three and a half weeks worth of just spring ball going against each other, and we'd just go Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and the meetings on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So, so we split it up a little bit, 
and so that was nice. And then, but now that game week's here, we're just going against scouts, so it's nice not having to go against. I mean, the offense every day, you know, and so it's looking forward more towards game plan in Central Washington and and what and what we're going to do against them. So so it's it's been good. Defensively, I mean, you guys have run this pretty unique, pretty sweet scheme here these last several years since Coach Out came back under Coach Bear. And now I think that with the addition of some of the guys you got, especially on the perimeter on the, at that corner and stuff like that, it seems like you have a chance to make a, a another jump and maybe add another layer to the defense. So what sort of progress have you seen just in terms of uh, maybe the evolution of what you guys are running schematically? Yeah, and I, I mean, I was just talking about so this with Coach Bear the other day of how far we've come from what, three years ago when they, we first put this defense in and how how much better and the understanding of the defense is and the concepts that everybody understands it better and getting the I mean those couple guys on the perimeter that are fast and physical and aren't afraid to throw it up there it's 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 fun to watch and and I think we're all excited just to see how well we we come together this Saturday and get after it you yourself had an outstanding year last year all big sky season playing next to the Buck Buchanan Award winner, Dante Olson, who now, by the way, is heading up to Canada, if you hadn't heard. We talked about that last week here on Nuanez Now. But uh, yeah. but Dante uh, obviously leaves a big void there, but it seems like you're pretty primed to step up and, and fill that void. So what do you think of just the inside linebacker position? I know there's a couple young guys that are vying for time next to you that, that have a lot of potential as well. Yeah, and Dante's played a huge role in what we did last year, but, I mean, we just got to reload and, I think um, uh, I mean Pat is back again. He had a great, great year that last year. He's going to have another great year. And Marcus Wallnow is another guy that's going to step up this year for us. And, and the younger guys too. I mean Braxton, Levi, Flink, all those younger guys are going to you're going to be able to. And Mike Matthews are going to be able to step up and and help us too. So it, I mean we're a close group and and it's fun to practice together too. The guys played in front of you too. I mean I know that. Uh, losing Jesse Sims a couple of years ago was a bit a big loss, but uh, it seems like they played a lot of they decided. I mean, Coach Sachs they decided to play a lot of young guys early, and uh, now all of a sudden those guys aren't freshmen and sophomores anymore. They're they're sophomores and juniors, or maybe even a couple seniors too. So, what do you think? Just the uh, the front that's playing in front of you? Yeah, we we just have good depth on the front, and they they just rotate in some guys that are fast, strong, physical, and. And they eat up a lot of double teams, so us linebackers can float to the ball and make plays. So I have I have all the respect for them up front, and they're they're going to continue to do their thing, and and they're they're a good group too. Jason Lewis joining us, senior linebacker for the Grizz. They play Saturday, Central Washington at Washington Grizzly Stadium. I know it's early in the week here, Jason, so you might, might be, maybe haven't dove fully into stuff that Central's doing. But what are you guys just overall expecting out out of the opponent you have on Saturday coming to Missoula? team and I know they I've been watching a lot of film on them and they went into Idaho the couple years or I mean the 2019 season I think it was and and, and they almost beat them so so I think they have a, they're, they're fast they have they have a good offense they tempo a little bit the, the running backs fast I mean they're there's an athletic football team so it, it should be a good game I talked to Coach Alk yesterday, and he was typical Coach Alk. So funny, he said, uh, "I don't care if we're doing a push-up contest or playing checkers or whatever. I still want to kick your ass." So, is that something that's uh, kind of trickling into the locker room? The fact that I mean, this is a real game. You guys do want to go out and compete at the highest level. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we're going to treat it like a like it would be a fall game. I mean, we're going to go into it with with the expectations that we're going to go in there and we're going to lock them in there for four quarters and and not going to let them out till the till the scoreboard uh, shows zero. So, last question for you. That I mean, this must be very exciting for you guys. I mean, it must feel pretty darn good to know that you actually are going to play a real football game, not against each other, in less than a week. Yeah, yeah, and I'm glad the the we're gonna have five thousand fans, but I, I, they're gonna be crazy. I wish they would let let uh, half capacity, but five thousand should be better than none. So I think we're all excited for for uh, just getting coming down that tunnel for the first time in a while and, and just having fun. Jace Lewis, native of Townsend, Montana, senior linebacker for the Grizz football team. Jace, appreciate the time today. Thanks so much for joining us, and best of luck this weekend. Yep, thank you. I appreciate it. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Go down to the Rangers Brothers RV fold line. Welcome in our good buddy. Most people around here know him as Coach Ty Ty Gregorak joining us. Thanks so much for, for being with me, my friend. How you doing? Coulter, what's up, man? I'm doing great. Where are you in the Great world? I, I know you're probably traipsing across the Montana highways somewhere. Where are you? Uh, I am in between Silver Star and Whitehall as we speak. So it's a good day down in Dillon. Um, making my way back home to Bozo. Gotta love it. Well, we got to get into it because we got a lot to get to. All of a sudden, it's football season. We haven't had football in 450-plus days, but the Grizz got a couple games. One this Saturday, one the following Saturday. Montana State is also into the the midst of their spring football. Uh, No games for the Bobcats, but they will have a spring game on April 24th. They're navigating a new coaching staff, uh, the implementation of a new head coach, as well as new offensive and defensive coordinators. We're going to do something fun here. This is going to be called Five Questions for Coach Ty. We're going to do this. Uh, from time to time, maybe every couple weeks here, whenever Ty can swing on by and join us. So we'll start with our first question, Ty. I got the University of Montana football depth chart, the first one I've seen in a really long time. And uh, I was just going through so many different elements of the depth chart, whether it was the, the depth that they have or you know the reemergence, the readdition of positions like tight end and fullback, which I think are so essential to play the style of football Bobby Houck wants. You look at the two deep defensively, uh, smattered with a bunch of highly recruited guys, a bunch of uh, Division One A dropdowns, a bunch of FBS dropdowns, and it, it looked largely different than what we've been looking at the last handful of years at the University of Montana. They finally have some depth at the linebackers and skill positions. They finally have uh, some big bodies on the offensive line. And it's it's happened in a pretty short order since Bobby Houck returned leading up to the 2018 season. So I know you spent a lot of time in your career both playing and coaching with Coach Houck. How is this guy doing? I mean, how has he turned this around so fast? It seems like he knows how to manage and balance a roster just about as well as anybody in the big sky. Yeah, I mean, you know, Coach Howe's got a recipe. Uh, you know, he's had a ton of success at this level. Um, you know, he knows what it looks like to get to the finish line. You know, I, you know, the big thing with him is just, you know, winning the big one. But, I mean, he, I think the biggest question mark is probably going in tomorrow for Grizz Nation, is, you know, quarterback situation. 
corner and corner. You know, who, who's going to emerge uh, on the perimeter? I mean, those, those are those are a couple of positions where, in our best years under Coach Hop, we had pretty dang good quarterback play. We had good uh, corner cornerback play on defense. I think your linebackers are good. I'm excited. I'll be there tomorrow. Where I can't start to make the drive. We'll be there tomorrow night. We'll be there pre-gaming before the 11 o'clock start. And I mean, I'm fired up to watch Chase and, and those guys at linebacker and. I mean, I just think it's going to be a, a fun Saturday. But, yeah, he just, he's got a recipe for kind of what, you know, I think size, stature. Um, I mean, that, that doesn't always hold true when, when you get maybe more of a local local kid that that just plays his butt off. And, um, you know, but he's got, he's got a system, you know, and he believes in his system. And, you know, like you and I have talked about, man, he, he uh, I think he turned it around way faster than most guys could have. Uh, with the kind of success they had there in, in 2019, came up came up short against Weber. But I mean, the guy's doing an unbelievable job, and I'm, I'm fired up to watch these next couple games and just kind of see what this team. I don't think we're going to see it all, but it, you know, a, a good game against a good Division two opponent and an important state next week, I think, will give us at least an indication of what to expect come September. Thanks for football, Ty Gregorak. Long-time assistant coach at both Montana and Montana State and the Big Sky Conference. This segment presented by Westpac Wealth Partners, Nick Tabor and Westpac Wealth Partners. They're looking for entrepreneurial-minded people ready to take their future into their own hands. If you want to work in a competitive environment, give Nick Tabor a call, 728-6708. That's 728-6708 to learn more about what Westpac Wealth Partners can do for you. Ty, let's talk a little bit about this opponent this weekend, Central Washington. It's actually interesting because when I was a uh, burgeoning sports writer, I, I was working at the Missoula, and I remember getting to know you back uh, in our younger days, and then all of a sudden one day in 2010, I'm in my second year living in Ellensburg, Washington, and I see this guy at uh, the wing place on campus, and I'm saying, that guy looks like Coach Ty. And then all of a sudden I wander up, oh yeah, sure enough, Coach Ty is coaching at Central Washington, so I know you're only there for a little less than a year, but just one season on Blaine Bennett's staff. But I think it's a, it's a good parallel because I, I've been trying to explain this all week on the show. I've been hearing around Missoula, oh man, you know, great to have Grizz football back, but why are they playing a cream puff? Why are they playing a terrible Division II school? And I've been trying to define all the reasons why Central Washington is an elite Division II program. They have great talent. They always have. And every time they play schools from the big sky, whether it's been Montana in 2008 or Idaho last year or Eastern Washington pretty much perennially, they're always competitive. So uh, take us back to your time at Central Washington, but also just give people some, some insight into why Central has the ability to be a lot more competitive than most Division II schools out West. Yeah, I mean, anyone who is overlooking them is foolish because you recall that, I mean, again, we're talking a decade plus later, but, you know, Central Central's going to give these guys their best shot. Like, everyone will always give Montana their best shot, but you know, Central's a unique place because it's the only Division II football playing outfit in, in Washington. You're a lot closer to Seattle than than you think. You know, people think Ellensburg, Eastern Washington, basically anything east of Seattle is Eastern Washington, right? Uh, but you're actually pretty close to Seattle. Um, and you get a lot of good talent out of there. I mean, Central has always been known for getting pretty good drop downs uh, from Division One, And then just being able, I mean, Seattle's in their backyard. And then obviously you can go a few hours east to the Mecca, the Lilac City, where, you know, all great things come from, uh, me not including, of course, but 
uh, you know, they've always done a good job in, in East East Washington too, in the Spokane area. So there's been a lot of good coaches there too. I mean, I, that job's come open a couple times, and you know, I, I always had aspirations. At least I did, you know, prior to a couple years ago, becoming a head coach, and I just always thought that would be a pretty neat neat gig. Ellensburg's actually a way cooler town than people give it credit for. It's a cool. I mean, you lived there. I mean, what'd you think? I thought it was a great little town to live in. Good I, I, town. I love it, man. I mean, yeah, you get you got local nice restaurants that are you know unique, not chains. You got a good little set of bars downtown. You got a brewery. I mean, it's a great culture. I mean, the fair there is fun. The rodeo there is super fun. I mean, I thought it was an awesome place to live. I loved my time in Ellensburg. So you can definitely recruit to it, too, because I think if you get, like you're talking, guys from the metro areas, Seattle and Spokane, well, they they can hang out in Ellensburg, or it's close enough to go home on either side. So that's a draw. Exactly. But then also, you can get all the rural kids that think that a town like Ellensburg is really cool. So you can get high-level talent, and they've always had high-level talent there especially over the last 20, 25 years. Yeah, no, I mean, it, 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 they have. I mean, it, and it was, uh, I mean, but Blaine, Blaine and I are still friends to this day. And, you know, he, he picked a fellow up when, when I was kind of down there going, you know, between you and OB and, um, you know, his old man, Shorty, was, was on the staff. Shorty Bennett was, was a long, long-time coach in the state of Washington. Coached a lot of great players. I mean, those guys are, those guys are foot, Washington football uh, royalty. I mean, they just have been doing it a long time. Blaine, Blaine's actually still the head coach uh, at Post Falls High School and has done a great job turning that program around again. So it was, it was a unique experience. You know, honestly, uh, it was a very unique experience because it was the only year I ever coached offense. I got coached the tight ends and worked with uh, Stacy Collins, uh, who, who's a longtime Big Sky uh, Joe Lord, you remember he was there. He was in the Big Sky. So we all kind of knew each other from our Big Sky days. And, and shoot, those guys have gone on and done some awesome things. Shoot, Stacy's at uh, Boise State now, and, and Joe Lord's at uh, Penn State. So uh, obviously they were doing something right. And, and then, yes, you, you're right. I got there in August, and, and uh, Coach Flew hired me uh, right after the after the season was over to come back to Montana. So it was an awesome year, though, too. For, for being as tough of a year as it was personally, uh, you know, like I said, Coach Bennett kind of picked me up when when I needed a little love, and and uh, you know started started dating Candace that year when we you know in, in Ellensburg and got to come you know home so to speak back to Montana and uh, that very next season. So it was almost like I never left. It, it was a it was a pretty pretty cool year, and we were a good team. We were we were the. Uh, uh, the conference champions that year. We were the conference champs, but didn't get the automatic seat in the playoffs. But, but yeah, it was a cool year. I'm, I'm fired up to... Uh, I've still got friends on the staff, I'll be honest. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see those guys uh, Saturday. They'll certainly be competitive. I mean, the quarterback it was a, a guy that was had some big sky offers coming out of high school. Michael Roos, the running back, was a record setter at Southern Oregon and then an All American a year ago. Defensively, they have a, a bunch of talent as well. I mean, Dante Hamilton was a guy that was a big sky guy to start his career as well. So uh, it should be a good one, Coach. I'm going to let you listen to this soundbite. This is our one last question. Ty Gregorak, by the way, joining us on the Regis Brothers RV phone line. But here's a soundbite from Bobby Houck that I just think you'll get a kick out of. And this will be our last thought on the Grizz, and then we'll talk a little bit about this Bobcat coaching change. Do you approach this trying to get as many reps for other guys as possible, or you're just going to play starters like it's a kind of a normal game, and then the score will dictate that? Or keep the score, Sean. They're keeping score. Then they're keeping score. <laughs> 
in a game like this as getting reps for some of the new That's guys? That's a dumb question, Sean. Hey, if people want to filter through... Guys. What did I say last week? It's a game. Push-up contest. Game. It's a game. Checkers. We're trying to beat your ass. Got it? <laughs> Got it. <laughs> okay. Push-up contest or would game you, What did you say? Don't go changing, coach. <laughs> right. Never change. <laughs> Thanks. Quintessential Bobby Houck. But, I mean, that, that's the point worth making, though, right, Ty? I mean, Bobby Houck's not treating this like a scrimmage or a walkthrough or a spring game. He, he's treating this like a real game. Where they're tra- I mean, they're, they're treating this like it's September 1. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, I actually thought uh, it would have been kind of cool in this year of craziness and COVID and the pandemic. I actually would kind of thought it would have been cool uh, if some of these schools that decided not to play would have, you know, maybe had uh, like a scrimmage type atmosphere, you know, in the NFL where, where two teams will get together and, it's, you know, it's very controlled and, you know, you do situational stuff and quick whistle. And I mean, I know some of those can come to fisticuffs like anything because it's football, but. Uh, yeah, he's right. I mean, they're they keeping score, and they're going to play to win, just like they always do. I mean, that's why, you know, these guys have been – I actually can't imagine being a coach or player throughout all this. I really can't. I mean, the the uh, the, the craziness of all of it and the, the moving parts and the fluidity of all of that, I, I respect the fact that both programs decided not to go through with this season. I really – I've told you that the last time we talked. I mean, you saw Cal Poly – you know, opt out after giving up uh, 1,000 points in three games or whatever they gave up and, uh, you know, injury bug, of course. Um, but I think it's cool they're, they're playing a couple games. I know Coach Alk, I mean, I, I, I get the impression, I'm pretty sure, 99% sure he wished they actually would have tried to play in the fall like a lot of like a lot of conferences did and, and, and crowned national champions. Uh, but I think it's cool. And like you said, they're, they're keeping score and they will do everything in their power to win and you know, it's not go go play the young guys. They're, they're going to go win, and, or you know, try to win for sure. Tiger Greg joining us. He longtime assistant football coach, now regular contributor here on Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. Maybe you're watching in around the great state of Montana on SWX Montana Television. By the way, a uh, little public a service announcement for the game. The game is going to be broadcast by SWX, so our crew at SWX, but. Is going to be on ABC Fox. So ABC Fox is the mother station of XWX. You're going to be able to find this on KTMF in Missoula. So it will be on terrestrial television. So I know some people, through whatever uh, satellite company they have, they don't get SWX, but you will get ABC, uh, I promise, as long as you got the terrestrial television ability. So that's uh, what the game will be broadcast on, 11 a.m. So uh, be sure to tune in if you're not one of the 5,000 lucky enough to go. Ty, let's transition uh, to the other side, not necessarily through the lens of Montana State, but I just have a couple broad questions for you because Montana State, has gone through a coaching change. Uh, they have a new head coach and new offensive and defensive coordinators. A lot of the staff remains intact. So maybe not even necessarily through the lens of Montana State. We can get there in a minute, but just broadly, when you go through a coaching change, what's the most difficult part? Because you've been on staffs that have taken over jobs. You've been on uh, a guy that's been retained when a new head coach has come in. Uh, so there's kind of a, a variety of different um, experiences you've had. But when there is a coaching change, what do you think are the biggest factors that, that programs have to figure out? What are the biggest challenges that they might face? Well, just, you know, being a, a holdover. I mean, you, you asked about being a holdover. It's, I mean, one, it's great to have a job. Right. Two, we, it'll be interesting at, at Montana State, you know, talking to a couple of the guys that I still stay in touch with, just to see how differently the program is, you know, navigated now by, by a dramatically different personality. 
um, you know, I, I, I know, I know, you know, I know some of the, the remarks you, his, you know, his personality. And, and, and I mean, he got, he got Bobcat Nation excited about Bobcat football again, where, where the town was exploding and the school was growing and you've got this, you know, unbelievable president. The football program, they kind of got stale and then they brought in, and they did that. I mean, he got people fired up again about Bobcat football, a new facility, and, and then he left. And now you hire a guy, and I, I, I don't know the guy, but we, we coached against each other. But just, I mean, just watching his press conferences, he looks and sounds dramatically different than Jeff Cho. So that's going to be interesting in itself, just for the, for the guys that were retained, and then obviously the players. Uh, you know, it, it'll be it'll be interesting on a lot of levels, man. I mean, you got you got a little inexperience at coordinator again. I don't know these guys. Just kind of looking at uh, looking at the resume, so to speak. Um, you know, so so yeah, it, there, there'll be some juggling to do. I mean, I, I told you I went through a, a coaching change as a player. You know, and you go from Rick Neuheisel to Gary Barnett. It's dramatically different, you know, just the culture of the tone. I mean, you know, Coach New is as good of a dude as there is and just a, a fun guy to be around and smart and, you know, kept practices fun. We can float the river after and and then you hire Gary Barnett, who's not, you know, just, he, you know, he's, he's a ball coach. He was a great, he was a good ball coach, no question, but just way different person. Uh-oh. We might have lost him. If we did, Maybe we'll try to call back. Maybe not, but interesting stuff. From ta- there you go. You're back. Yeah, I, I lost you there. Sorry, I lost you there just for a second. Ty. <laughs> but- oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I just, I just pulled over. I'm, I'm sorry. All I was, all I was saying was, I, I listened to your deal with BJ Robertson last week, and you know, as he said, there's lots of different ways to win games, lots of different ways to skin a cat. I just think personality-wise, you are going from it's, it's a dramatically different personality. Uh, on on the program and culture for for the for the guys that were retained and, and the players. Can you hear me? Okay, about no question. Yeah, Tiger Grant joining us. Rangers Pro's Army fold line. This five questions with Coach Ty brought to us by Nick Tabor and Westpac Wealth Partners. Westpac Wealth Partners offers a competitive compensation package, elite training, and a work culture that's been recognized as a best workplace in Fortune Magazine. If you're ready to start building a business in a long term career, contact Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth Partners seven two eight six seven zero eight or apply at westpacwealth.com. Uh, Ty, you've been through this a lot of times with the coaching change as well, where uh, you were a holdover from a previous staff. You had, it happened with both Rob and Flugrad uh, when he was dismissed at Montana, and then Mick Delaney took over, and then also when Mick Delaney retired and Bob Stitt took over. So for the guys that are still on staff at Montana, say, I mean, that has to be a huge transition as well. It, it is, especially when I was talking about just the personality. You, you know, you go you go from a guy like Bobby Hauk to Robin Flugrad. I mean, there, there's an adjustment just, just, just in terms of way of, do, you know, his way of doing things and, and the personality of those two guys, coach Flu's a great guy. Bobby's a great guy. They're just different dudes, you know? And then obviously Mick, Mick was the, you know, the, the healing hand at the time when the program was going through so much, but Mick's a wonderful man, you know, and then, and, and had his own way of, of doing things, you know? And, and, uh, and then Mick retires, and you hire a guy like Bob Stitt, you know, and, and then that's an adjustment. And, and, you know, being the holdover on that one was probably the toughest just because, you know, you brought in an outsider, you know, where, where Bobby, Bobby, Bobby went to Montana. He's a Montanan. Uh, his brother is one of the great, you know, Mon- Montana Grizz ever. 
Uh, Robin Flugrad was a, uh, you know, had been been an assistant there previously. Uh, Mick Delaney had been an assistant from Montana, Montana through and through. And then you hire an outsider that, you know, it, it just, it just was a, it was an interesting transition on those of us who, who were retained and then, and then the players, obviously. So, um, you know, that, that, that's just the, the biggest thing is just the transition phase, right? And just getting a feel for your new coach. And I was, I was actually very fortunate. I only had one position coach in college, uh, coach and linebacker. He was there for almost 30 years. I mean, he played there and coached there. And he's a wonderful man. We stay in touch to this day. But yeah, the head coaching change was hard on me because I went to Colorado for all the right reasons. I loved Colorado and Colorado back in the nineties was a way different story, uh, in terms of win losses than it is now. But, you know, Co- coach knew was a cool, young up and coming head coach. Bobby Houck recruited me. Great dude, young guy, uh, great family. I mean, I got to, you get to know those guys during the recruiting process. So um, it's just the transition phase. Like, I, I'll be curious to you know talk to BJ or, or, or Army over at MSU and just kind of okay, you know, you're not on Culture Show, you're not you're not on TV. Tell me exactly what you think of the transition. I'm sure it's fine. It's just you know probably way different than than uh, Coach Joe. No doubt about it. Ty Gregorak joined us. Last question for you, Ty. This is five questions with Coach Ty. Brought to us by Nick Tabor, Westpac Wealth Partners. Last question. Bobcats are going through a scheme change, uh, but the, the number one guy everybody's wondering about and uh, worried about is Troy Anderson. He has been, he's played all over the place at Montana State. He's had an outstanding career, yet also one that has left us wondering what could have been, even though it's not quite over yet. And now uh, he's going to go from playing on the edge like he did last year as a junior, a first-team All-League player last year, despite not playing full-time. Uh, Coming off the edge defensively, now he's going to transition to playing inside the box, playing Will linebacker in a, in a more traditional four-three scheme. So, Ty, I know you coached Troy at Montana for a couple of years. What do you think that transition is going to be like? What's going to be the biggest challenge for him as he moves inside and the new Bobcat defense? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, God, God bless Troy Anderson. I mean, the kid has been asked to do so much. I mean, it's and, and his body is taken a beating for it but i mean the, the kid the kid has had to learn an offensive playbook a defensive playbook the playbook within you know within each position so to speak um he has played quarterback running back receiver defensive end in nickel packages outside linebacker and inside linebacker and, and i just it'll be it, listen troy's going to be successful at anything he touches because that's the kind of kid he is okay it doesn't matter if it's on the football field or off I just think it's – and Troy has played some inside stuff in different packages. I mean, I remember, you know, when we had the luxury of getting him for a package or whatever that game, um, you know, he's done some of that. I mean, he, he, in some of our lighter personnel on defense, nickel-dime stuff. But it's just a dramatically different world inside. Your reads are different. I mean, you are taken on centers, guards, and tackles almost every play where, you know, uh, when you're in space – you know, you're going to have to shed and, and hit some receivers, and obviously you're going to have to leverage the ball and, and force the ball back in by taking on some of those big people that I was talking about. But it's just a way different world in there. I mean, I, you know, not not to not to try to, you know, pick anybody off in Bobcat Nation, but Troy Anderson's been asked to do a lot. And, and I think everybody will recognize that, you know. And, and, and he, whenever he leaves this program, you know, he, he will have – 
Paul Bunyan, you know, Herculean mythological things said about him because he has truly done it all. He's been first team quarterback, first team this, first team linebacker. He's done it all. I just don't know, you know, are we going to remember Troy for all the things he did? Or can you also have the conversation maybe a little bit was a disservice to him because he never truly got to develop and get fantastic at one thing. I mean, I've told you, I think the kid, I, I, I truly believe the kid could be an NFL running back or an NFL linebacker, probably, you know, probably an outside linebacker, you know, depending on the system. He's just, he's been asked to do a lot and uh, he's being asked to do a lot again by changing positions. So I know that, I know that kid will be successful. He just, he's, he's that special of a football player, but even more special as a human being, um, this program, that program over there is just asked him to do a lot in his career. No question. And I don't think anybody could argue that fact, you know? You can't tell. It's been impressive to watch at the same time maddening, but that's here nor there. Ty, we appreciate you swinging by, my man. We'll talk to you soon, and uh, we'll catch up this weekend. But best of luck. Stay safe on the roads, and uh, we'll see you in a couple days. I can't wait. I'm be excited to get over to Zoo Town, and Candace and I are fired up. So we'll see you, we'll see you, there. We'll see you then. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. And once upon a time, when I decided to move out of Montana for the first time in my young life, I landed in Ellensburg, Washington, and I got a chance to cover Central Washington uh, football and men's basketball at the Ellensburg Daily Record in 2009 and 2010. And I got a chance to spend a couple seasons getting to know this guy, Blaine Bennett, who was the head coach of Central Washington from 2008 uh, until 2013. Coach, it's been a long time. It's amazing how uh, your paths seem to always cross again no matter how long it's been in the world of sports but we appreciate you joining the show my man how you doing oh it's going great it's going great culture i appreciate uh you reaching out and saying hello it's like you said it's been a long time so uh we certainly had a good run back there in the 2008 to 2012 at central and uh, i know we're talking grizz football so that brings back a lot of memories no question it does. I just told this story a little bit, but I want to get your perspective on it as well. I had been covering uh, the Grizz football beat as, as a student journalist and then working in the, at the Missoulian uh, when I was in college and then my first year out of college here in Missoula. And when I first got to Central and I first got to know you and your staff and watching your team, I was so taken aback by how close the level really was. I mean, I had been, just gotten done covering two teams that had gone to back-to-back national championship games at Montana and when I first started watching your teams, I was thinking, man, these guys are pretty talented. They could play in the Big Sky Conference. There's a lot of guys for sure that could and even had played in the Big Sky Conference as well. So I know that when you were there, you guys did a good job recruiting. But it seems like Central itself, with its location, how great of a town Ellensburg is, and the tradition that's existed at Central Washington for a long time, it seems like it's a pretty ripe job, a place where you can garner a lot of talent and build pretty competitive teams consistently. Yeah, I think you can. I think there's three things that really come into play. Number one, you have to have a great staff, and back then we did. You know, our D coordinator, Joe Lorig, he's now coaching at Penn State. Uh, Stacy Collins, our special teams coordinator, he's now the special teams guy at Boise State. 
And then Peter Sermon was coaching our linebackers, and he's now running the defense at Cal. So uh, we, we had a great staff, and then you tie that in with the athletes that we were able to get at Central. Uh, really, the um, in-state kids, being the only Division II football program in the state of Washington, and Washington has pretty good high school football, uh, and then we really went out and got some transfers, you know, some key transfers like a Mike Riley, who transferred in from WSU, a Jared Bronson, he transferred in from UW, and I could go on and on. Uh, but those transfers, those legit Division One guys that we were able to attract at Central, being a, a national Division Two program, uh, that really put you up to that level where, you know, you could compete with some of the big sky schools uh, on a significant day. You know, one Saturday, playing them one time, I think uh, Central, it would be always tough to play uh, 10 big big sky games, but uh, we certainly snuck up on a couple guys knowing we only had to play one or two of those every year. Blake Bennett joining us, former Central Washington head coach. Central Washington plays at the University of Montana on Saturday here in Missoula, Washington, Grizzly Stadium. And, uh, Coach, you mentioned the, the element of being able to get transfers into Central Washington. I remember coming into the second year I was covering you guys, you guys brought in a whole bunch of really talented transfers. Uh, a couple <laughs> linebackers, uh, Jared Silva Purcell and Paul Wright, and Eugene Germany, the list goes on. We don't need to list all the guys. But right. the, fact of the, ma- <laughs> the fact of the matter is, though, you can get those kind of guys. But why do you think that is? What are the elements of, of Central Washington, the campus, and the town that, that kind of draws some of those uh, bigger-name, bigger-type recruits to the Division II level? Well, I think you have to have a staff that can reach out and uh, recruit those kind of a guys. You know, I don't think Central recruits those transfers anymore like we did. You know, we had a, a coaching staff that had some Division One experience. Uh, we knew a lot of coaches out there in the country, and we had a tradition and kind of a uh, a special, um, unique atmosphere at Central where they could come back to the West Coast. Uh, and we were the best D2 program on the West Coast. So whether it be a Eugene, Germany, or, um, you know, we even had guys from Alabama come in. And, again, we don't want to list them all. But uh, it, it was a great combination with those in-state guys that we had. But I think you have to have a staff that has those connections so you can field those calls and uh, connect with those student-athletes looking for a second chance, whether it's be uh, they were over-recruited at the Division One school they're at, um, or if they, you know, weren't successful the first time around, went down to a junior college and now looking for a second chance at a four-year opportunity. You mentioned Mike Riley, and I remember that was one of the first, when I was uh, applying for that job at Ellensburg, I remember thinking, oh, this could be a, a fun first gig. And I remember having covered you guys uh, in, in 2008 when you were in Missoula. So we'll get to that in a minute. But I remember playing against Mike Riley during high school football because he's actually from up in the Flathead. I guess he went to high school up in the Flathead and uh, played, yep. played at Kalispell. And so I, I just remember thinking how talented he was back then and knowing that he was going to develop into something special. But now here he is, and he's been a 10-plus year pro and been a starter at times in the Canadian Football League. So uh, what do you remember about when you first recruited Mike Riley, and what do you think is given him so much success at the professional level for all these years well honestly you know i we didn't recruit him you know when i when i got there in 08 uh he was already in the program so he had gone to wsu out of high school walked on there paul wolf was the head coach and after uh two years i think the second spring he wanted a scholarship and wsu wasn't going to give him a scholarship so he transferred to central 
so he actually played for Bo Baldwin before I got there for one year, and then Bo left. And so he was already in the program, so we didn't recruit him. What we needed to do was just kind of develop a relationship, and certainly he's a competitor, uh, an athletic quarterback, wasn't able to get that scholarship at WSU, uh, but what an amazing experience or career he had at Central. And then certainly, uh, you know, he's a great cup uh, MVP and has done a great job up in Canada. Blade Bennett joined us. He was the head coach of Central Washington University for five seasons, including when the Wildcats came to Missoula in 2008. And, Coach, I know that was that was early on in your first season at Central. Was that actually the very first game? Uh, it wasn't our first game, no. It was uh, oh, probably about the third or fourth game when we played uh, Montana. But definitely, definitely early on in your time at Central. But that was a great yeah. Grizz team, a team that went on to win 14 games, went all the way to the national championship game uh, at yeah. the FCS level. But what do you remember about j- just that uh, preparation that week? Because it must have been sort of a daunting task to come in and play a Grizz program, which at the time was one of the the, the powerhouse programs in the entire Northwest. No, uh, it really was. And, you know, Bobby Houck did a great job. He's got a great staff there, and he has a lot of talent. And we knew crowd noise was going to be an issue. So before uh, a lot of people did that, you know, we had the speakers out at practice. And because coming from uh, Purdue in the Big Ten, you always had to go into, uh, you know, venues that uh, you couldn't hear uh, at all. So we practiced some uh, crowd noise for two or three days. And obviously these kids had never been exposed to that. They didn't. Uh, adapt very well. I still remember. I think we we jumped probably five times. We had five illegal procedures. Uh, I remember that pretty uh, specifically for our old line. But crowd noise was one, and then talent. You know, we had some talent, but we needed to get some matchups. So uh, we did a few creative things offensively, and our defense hung in there. And uh, again, Jared Bronson was a big time tight end for us. We split him out and got him one on one with a corner one time. Uh, for a touchdown, and I think we had to go go for two towards the end of the game, and uh, to go ahead or to tie Montana, and uh, he was a key factor in that. So, uh, really, we had a few key talented players that kept us in the game, and it was it was a shootout. It was uh, I don't know, you could probably remind me of the score, but forty two forty nine or something like that. Yeah, 38, 42, 45. 30, 38, 35. You guys ended up losing on yeah. I think a last second field goal, or at least a, a field goal in the in the waning seconds. Yeah, to, they did. Sure, yeah, yeah, they did. They kicked a field goal at the very end and, and beat us by three. So uh, we did. We went down and scored, went for two to tie it with a couple minutes to go. Anyway, it was an exciting game, and it was a packed house like Grizz football. As you know, they, they pack them in, and so they had a lot of crowd and exciting for our players, and uh, I think we did a nice job. Blaine Bennett joined us, former Central Washington head football coach, reminiscent about the time he brought his team into Missoula and almost sprung an upset. But, Coach, when you have a team like that, you mentioned you mentioned that at the D2 level, a lot of times when you have a really talented team, you can get up for that one big game, you know, if the moment is right. And you guys were so good against Montana. I remember you guys almost beat uh, Eastern Washington in 2010 in the Battle of Seattle, uh, when Eastern went on to win the the national championship that year as well. Uh, so, but when you when you are playing in an atmosphere like Washington Grizzly Stadium, is it a matter of just settling in? Because I remember back to that afternoon, I remember thinking after you guys kind of got the jitters out, all of a sudden you maybe were even feeding off the crowd a little bit and, and really playing uh, at a top level. Well, I, I think we did, you know. And again, it's that 
uh, atmosphere that our kids aren't used to very often in Central. You know, usually we have three or four thousand people max, and and uh, it was an opportunity for these kids to show what they could do. So yeah, that excitement, that those jitters early on, and then once we settled down and our players realized that they could compete with them, uh, then it was a, pr- a pretty good game. And so um, anyway, I think you're exactly right. Just transitioning these guys into a different environment and allowing them to believe that they can compete and uh, keep that game close going into that fourth quarter. If you could, is that the advice then you'd give? I know you've been removed from Central for half a dozen years or so now, but with these guys coming to Missoula, I mean, is that what you would tell Chris Fisk and his staff is, hey, just settle in and and try to get calmed down and, and, and see where the game might take you? Yeah, I would. You know, any any school that's going into that atmosphere, um, you know, you certainly want to hang in there early because uh, you, you can't let that game get away from you, obviously. So uh, that would be my advice. And certainly I don't know the talent at Central. You know, I don't know if they have some guys that could match up with the, the talented Grizzly team. Um, but I know back then we did. You know, like you said, we – uh, just about beat Eastern at that battle in Seattle. Went down to Idaho State, beat Idaho State. But it was because we had some talented players. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how the central team now can compete with a, an elite program like Montana. I know you're at Post Falls now, Coach. What's it been like getting back to the high school ranks and kind of going back to your roots here these last couple of years? Well, it's exciting. It really is. You know, we've been to the playoffs the last four years, five years, and it's, you know, we love the Northwest, so this uh, this area, we have a great administration and some great kids here at Pools Falls, and, and we're still running that quarterback receiver camp, you know, like I mentioned, the All-Northwest Football Passing Academy, and the crazy thing is uh, uh, Mike Riley actually attended our, our All-Northwest Football Camp back when he was a high school player, and so when we reconnected at uh, Central, he had already been to our camp, and he already kind of knew me a little bit, and I knew him a little bit. So uh, it allows me to stay connected with some of the high school quarterbacks and receivers in the area. A lot of good high school talent between Post Falls and here in Missoula and even uh, to the east as well. So if people do want to get involved, if they have a, a young man that maybe wants some extra coaching or wants to get involved in, in that camp, how do people get involved? Well, I would just go to the website, allnorthwestfootball.com. Um, you can... All kinds of information on that. We have uh, sessions in April. We have sessions in May. Uh, we have a two-day session in July, July 16th and 17th. And it's all about developing quarterbacks and receivers. So uh, um, it's an exciting time. It's actually a camp that my dad, Shorty Bennett, and Mac Bledsoe started uh, 40, 50 years ago. And uh, we've just continued to do it forever. We've had a lot of big-time NFL guys go through the camp. Obviously, Drew was through the camp. And uh, the web page is pretty exciting because it has a lot of the uh, newspaper clips back from the, in the Daily Record back in the 70s um, and uh, the different camps that we've put on. I think they started the camp in 1972. It's amazing. Very historical and uh, very cool. And, uh, yes, it is a great legacy. So go check that out. I'll post the website on our various social medias, Facebook backslash ESPN and all that stuff for you, Coach. That'd be great, Coulter. Yeah, that's awesome. Fantastic. It's exciting. I'm glad you're doing well. 
It's good talking to you, man. I, uh, you know, I, I got to cut my teeth, and you were a great coach to cover when I first started out my career. I was always appreciative of the access, and uh, I told uh, I told Coach Ty or hi earlier because Coach Greg Rack he swings by and helps out from time to time here on this show too, and he led the show for us. So he said to tell you hi, and I, I'll, be, I'll be sure to tell him uh, you said hi as well. So uh, Blaine Bennett, former Central Washington head football coach, joining us here on Nuanas now, and Coach, it was great catching up. If you're ever in the area, please don't hesitate to drop a call or shoot a text or anything like that. But in the meantime time be well and we appreciate you taking the time all right Coulter thanks again and I'm excited that Ty Greg ranks doing well we'll talk to you soon sports bet Montana is powered by the Montana lottery join in on the excitement for sports bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams both collegially and professionally there are multiple ways to bet including in-game which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds and parlay betting where you could have a chance to win big Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today working on the weekend but that's a good thing when it comes to covering college football happy to be in bozeman montana we're recording this on a saturday we'll be playing this throughout the week we're joined now by montana state first year head football coach brent vegan and coach first and foremost thanks for letting us come out to practice because this, this was awesome for me to even just see some live football so how's things a couple weeks here uh, in the spring ball so how's things with you good yeah it's been uh it's been two weeks we've practiced six times now and and you know, you can see the team, um, offense, defense, special teams growing each and every time we're out there. Um, the weather's made a nice turn for the better here these last couple of days. But, uh, yeah, I couldn't be more pleased with, with the effort, the enthusiasm that we've had through through two weeks, and we need to just keep that, uh, keep that moving forward through the next three. Learning not how to practice, but how you want a specific coaching staff, how they would demand you to practice, what's that learning curve like? What's the biggest challenge? Because, I mean, Every head coach does it differently. Yeah, you know, I, I think when a kid goes from high school to, to college, they just kind of accept that it's going to be different, and they, they just roll with it. I think when there's coaching changes that occur at the college level, you're you're so ingrained in one way of doing thing and doing things. And, and you know, it's, it's just I, I think this day and age, kids, you know, uh, they, they certainly can work with this is what we want to do, but they want to know why. I think that's just the nature of – uh, this generation so we've done done a lot to not only say hey this is this is how we're going to do it but this is why and, and I think that I think as we've practiced now two weeks I think they're they're figuring out the why um, and, and you know understanding the method uh, I guess let's, let's not call it madness but the method to just how we want to do things and, and I think they're seeing the results I think that's that's when kids certainly buy in even more when they're seeing the, the level of improvement that that's occurring on a daily basis. How do you balance? Obviously, you want to gauge effort and, and uh, enthusiasm and all that, but also these guys are learning new schemes and they're also learning how to acclimate to a new coaching staff. So, how do you gauge? You know, maybe if they are a little bit behind mentally, or they're trying to really get to, get to, to the point where they can play fast while also learning all this new stuff. Well, we film everything, and we, as coaches, watch it and, and cut it apart, and then and apply it to the players. So, I think. I think that's just that's the way we coaches operate. In you know you you know generally speaking, you don't want guys to 
to make the same mistake twice, but understand they're going to make mistakes. And if they're making mistakes, you know, at, at a fast rate, um, if they're not quite seeing things on the flip side as fast as you want, you just know it'll come. You got to keep repping and, and, you know, guys learn by doing. Um, so we're, we're trying to be high volume, high reps as much as we can um, and really accelerate that development. So, you know, I think the biggest thing is, we tell our guys, if you're being coached, that's a good thing. It's the moment that you're not being coached that someone's maybe given up to you, given up on you. So our guys, our, our coaches are are coaching them hard, but I think our guys are taking that coaching, and it's been a, a real uh, enjoyable thing for me to kind of step back and be able to watch over these first two weeks. Is it an adjustment for the coaches that have been here too to kind of learn the the new ways of going about operating? No question. I, I think as a as a coach. Um, if you work in a, a system for any extended period of time, you you get ingrained in those those methods. Um, I think the guys that bounce around and, and go from one to the next, they're maybe more adaptable. But uh, you know, a bunch of the guys had been on this staff for a while, and, and you know, I, you know, at the same time, their their soldiers are going to do what uh, what they're tasked to do. But um, you know, I think no question, it's been an adjustment. Is it, is it possible this time of year since there has been such a long break for your guys your, to have consistent progress, or is it kind of a couple steps forward, a couple steps back, but continuing to try to push it forward? That's a good question. I, I think um, with a new system um, generally on both sides of the football, you're, you are taking a step back in the, on the front end. So I, I'm hopeful, and we've seen it through two weeks, and even preceding that when we were meeting and walking through that our – our progress has been pretty consistent. Now, you start talking about the fundamentals of of blocking and tackling. I think that's the thing that right now. I think to me, it needs to continue to find a little bit better level of consistency. And obviously, we'll tackle more as as time goes on with the two scrimmages. But um, you know, I've been pleased as far as just applying what we're learning on a pretty consistent basis. Now it's just executing and. You know, um, shoot. We're, it, there has to be some give and take out there. If, we, if practice was one sided, that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't bode very well for what we want to be as a team either. You're listening to Nuanez now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula statewide television, SWX Montana Television. Brent Vegan joining us, head coach for the Montana State Bobcats football team, and coach today. You guys did engage in a little bit of tackling, so. Could, was there a way to gauge how much rust really is out there? And what did you think of just the, the point of contact and, and your first day kind of in full pads going full? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't real extended, but there was enough there to maybe look at some things. I, I think we um, had wins on either side of the football, which, again, I think that balance um, is, is important. But I, I'm certain we'll look at the film and whether it's uh, leverage technique um, or both in some cases defensively we weren't exactly where we needed to be. And then I think from a from an offensive perspective, you know, with from a ball carrier perspective, uh, you know, having a plan now that you're doing more than just getting tagged. I think there was some good moments there, but I, I'm sure there's some moments that we can coach off of too. And and those volume those that volume will pick up through this week, but it's it was certainly a good starting point these first uh, couple of days of implementing tackling. Tempo wise, what was your evaluation? You know, I I think we're doing okay. I, I know we're not. Uh, we're not getting the, the double rep method as much this week, so we have picked the tempo up, and, and you know I, I think our guys understand that. So we're in a um, confined space as from a, from a time perspective. I, I think we're moving pretty fast. I think our quarterbacks are directing things, and they're aware of the you know the good thing we were able to use the shot clock most of the day today, and I think by and large they're aware of that because that's part of the game, and you know I think our guys are bouncing around pretty good. 
new coordinators, both sides of the ball. Uh, what have you thought? I mean, to me, just watching them, it seems like they're very confident in what they're doing. So what have you thought of just their uh, implementation of the schemes thus far? But I've been pleased. And I, I think, you know, your first time around um, as a coordinator, you, you figure out pretty pretty quickly it's not about column plays so much as it is working with a, a bigger group. You know, whether it's working with the staff on either side of the ball, and I've been, you know, extremely pleased with both Taylor and Freddie's ability to work with with their respective staffs. But then it's getting in front of that whole group as opposed to just your position group like you maybe have been in the past and, and being able to lead. And, and they're, they're different personalities, and, and, and I, they have to be themselves. And I've appreciated that they have high expectations and, and they have a high bar. And, and you know, um, we want to continue to – climb to that that bar on either side of the football so it's you know like anything else it's a work in progress but to this point i've been pleased with both of them so much of the success of this program the last handful of years has been based on the stellar play in the trenches offensive and defensive lines i know you've said in the past as well that that's a high priority for you so what did you think of just the exchange up front i know it wasn't a lot but it seemed like especially just in the one-on-ones the little pods those guys were pretty excited to to (laughs) hit somebody else yeah you know what I, i think that um what they're realizing is we got good players on both sides of football. They're going to make each other better. And, and going against each other, I guess, more and more is, is the best tool that any one of them have individually. I know we're, you know, we're a little nicked up on the defensive side right now, but we got some guys playing some new positions. I think that's taking um, uh, pretty well here through two weeks. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I think we have two groups that that want to uh, accept that responsibility, I guess. Um, not make it about the skill players having to make them right. Um, understand that it starts starts with their ability to control the line of scrimmage. And if we can do that on a regular basis, I, I think the rest of it will take care of itself. I think we have pretty good skill on both sides, but it, by by no means can it be all, all about that skill. One position I thought was fun to watch today was the wide receivers because uh, obviously a new offensive scheme, we don't have to get into the details of that element of it, but it seems like there's going to be a lot more opportunities and it seems like there's kind of a wide open door not only because of the new staff, but also because a couple of the top pass catchers from the last couple of years aren't on, uh, you know, they moved on. Kevin Cassis and Travis Johnson graduated from last year's team. So a uh, two-part question, do you think that the receivers sort of have an elevated opportunity to prove themselves? And is that the case across the board uh, for a lot of guys since it is sort of a fresh start? Yeah, I think so. You know, there's, there's. You mentioned Kevin and Travis. I, I think they have had a bulk of the, the, the attempts um, go their way uh, back in '19. There, there are some guys that played at Lance McCutcheon, Coy Steele. You know, they were both on the field a bunch. I think, uh, I think Jaden was on the field a bunch. Smith and, and, but now those guys go from being you know more secondary role players to now we're looking for you know who who's going to be that that guy or two to. To, to step up and, and really you know want the football to come their way and, and you know I think Lance and um, Lance and Jaden uh, provide size and athleticism. I, we added Nate or they added Nate Stewart I guess and, and uh, thankfully so because we're really pleased with what Nate can bring. I think uh, you know Coy and Willie Patterson on the inside. You know, and that's just the name five right there. I think we got some talent beyond those five, but I think it's got a chance to be deep. And, and at the same time, I, I hope what you saw out there a little bit is, you know, some guys that are willing to compete because they do want the ball to come their way. And, and the way you get that is you build trust with quarterbacks. Um, a lot of times quarterback might have two guys to choose from, and you want to be the guy that uh, that he goes after in a man-to-man situation. So uh, been pleased with that group's 
emergence, and I do think they see you know not only maybe a clean slate, but then just uh, more and more opportunities out there. Another guy that flashed today was freshman running back Elijah Elliott. So what do you think of him? He he has a little bit of juice. He does. Um, yeah, I think I think Elijah is a guy that we can utilize in a, a bunch of different ways, and in you know. Um, Given the ball, obviously from the backfield, but then you know I think he's a guy that can catch it and do some things out in, out in space. Um, and he has got a burst. I think he's he's got toughness to him, even though he's a little undersized. So you know he's a guy that, that beyond today, I think each and every one of these five these five practices leading up is flashed. Last question on offense, quarterbacks. I mean, I know it's a it's a work in progress, but what do you like about each one? Because it seemed like I know all five guys got reps today. I thought probably the best throw was actually that throw by Blake Thielen in the red zone period to Nate Stewart. So, uh, what do you like about each of the guys that are under center right now? Well, I think you know, speaking to to, to Tucker and Matt, the guys that have a little bit more experience, um, you know, they're they're different they're different uh, types of quarterbacks, and I think within within this offense it's understanding what they do well and and, and really trying to accentuate those strengths and try to try to take advantage of them i think um you know matt's athleticism has showed up but he doesn't have to all be about his athleticism he's he's a um he's a dedicated learner and he's a smart and, and you know i do feel like he can throw the football and, and showing that so excited about his progress you know i think tucker um certainly has the experience here as, a, as one of our captains um is a smart guy, you know, and I think is is throwing the ball um, in certain ways while he's been used here more the more the vertical game, and, and he's he's coming along certainly as far as what uh, his comfortability and what we're doing. Um, you know, Casey played just a little bit at the beginning of that 19 season, and, and you know, um, Casey Bauman's an extremely talented kid that. Uh, you know he's just raw yet, and we're really trying to hone in um, his skills. But I think his eagerness um, has really pleased the offensive staff, pleased me. You know I think Tommy Tommy Mallott and Blake Thielen are two that haven't played. You know from from Montana, from our, our, our great state, and, and and I think they they bring some things to the table. Uh, you know Blake I think is a a pretty cool customer. You know he's a he's a guy that uh, you can tell has competed at. You know, different sports, and, and uh, but at a pretty pretty high level, and and he needs to keep coming along. And Tommy, athletically, brings um, you know something different to the table. But again, just like Matt, it, I don't think it has to be all about just athleticism with him and um, intelligent and, and and competitive. All those things Tommy is, and it'll be exciting to see where he's at at the end of this. Montana State head coach Brent Vegan joining us here on Nuanas Now, 102.9 ESPN, Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana. On the other side of the ball, Coach, how do you think they're picking up the scheme change there? Uh, interesting watching a, a four-man front rather than an odd-man front like we've seen these last couple years, but um, seems like personnel-wise you got some talent. We do, and I, I think you know up front, like I mentioned before, we've been a little nicked up, but I do think Chase Benson you know, I, I think is, is, is going to be just as formidable in the four-man front as he would have been in a three-man front. Um, we've, uh, I think we're still developing that depth on in the inside beside him. So to mention any names right now would be probably remiss, but I think we need to keep coming there. I think on the edges, you know, I think Amandre Williams and Daniel Hardy are, are two guys that jump out as, um, you know, with this move to a four man front accentuates their ability, um, more and more, you know, if, if when you can line up with both those guys from an athleticism, athleticism perspective on either edge, I think you really have something. Um, 
And then, you know, I think linebacker-wise, I think those guys are settling in. It's not a world of difference for them, but there's there's different uh, – it's a different structure. It's different fits. And they, they certainly are the guys that are running the show and, you know, have been pleased with with them. I know Callahan's um, – he's done real well to this point. I, I know everybody wants to know Troy's progress. And Troy's getting reps mentally, and he's getting reps in a controlled setting. Um, you know, really like his progress, and I – you know, I, I did speak to the secondary. I think uh, we got a real deep group there, and you know, it's it's coming together. It's it's a work in progress, but I, I do think it's it's coming to, uh, to, together on that side of the football. You mentioned the corners; Th- those guys. I know that there was a, a lot of highly touted guys the last two recruiting classes, and it seems like uh, maybe they got a chance to get the mental aspect of the game honed in these last couple of years, even if they weren't practicing physically. So, do you believe that that's a spot where young guys can contribute? And do you expect young guys to contribute at corner this year for you guys? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, corner, nickel, um, sort of one and the same. I think our ability to play man coverage is something that we're, we're working towards. I think that's that can be a limiting factor um, in any defense, you know, how much you trust those guys on the edge to be on islands. And I, I think, you know, we're only a couple weeks in, but I think we got a group of guys that can, can play some man coverage that uh, – you know, at the same time, are are willing and able tacklers as well, because that's certainly part of it. And, and then, uh, but then at the same time, understand from a, a zone perspective, you know how they fit into the grand scheme of things there. So it's been a, I think it's been a pretty good combination of not only ability, but then an eagerness to to allow their games to keep moving forward. And I think it's a pretty competitive bunch. And the fact that we have, you know, um, more guys than there are spots, I think is a is a really good factor. Last question for you then. What sort of progress do you want to make in the next week before you you hit the stadium again next Saturday? Well, it'd be you know important to look at the film today. You know, I, I'm certain there was there was mistakes made um, both sides of the football, and that's that's been kind of the charge every day. Is okay, we're going to make some mistakes. Let's understand that, but let's 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 correct those. Let's go out and play a little faster the next day. And, and my goal for next week is we'll have eight practices underneath us, and, and that's a pretty good chunk of our our installation you know and and come saturday where we can pull the coaches off the field there's no you know there's no barking out instructions before plays the players are just out there playing and and, you know i I think with a with a scrimmage you want it to be clean we're gonna have officials out there for the first time this is the first time these guys have been been officiated a long time so you want that side to be clean you want the substitution the the procedural size of things to be be uh, what they should be, and then I do think there needs to be some give and take. You know, you, there's going to be plays to be made, and um, you know I, I do think there has to be some on both sides of the football. You know, and then if you walk away thinking, okay, that was that was a pretty competitive environment. It was a clean, um, as far as just how we how we operated. I think that's that's the big goal, and you know you hope you flip the film on, and, and guys were playing fast and playing fast is not is not running fast all the time it's just seeing things the way they should be saw and you can attack you know whatever your assignment is fantastic football coach brent vegan joining us here on nuana is now coach thanks so much for the time we appreciate you and uh, we'll catch up with you soon all right sounds good thanks for uh, 
covering Bobcat Sports, and uh, look forward to the next time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to Blackfoot Business Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more.